Welcome everybody to Rendezvous with uh, the present moment, Rendezvous with uh, the future, the past, coming here for the holy trinity of uh, whatever we're going to get up to. So, let's begin with a bit of music. What would you like to hear? Let me know. I can't hear you. Okay, let's see. What about... Um Okay, so today we're talking about uh, the ethics of eating. Um, so that's a pretty spicy topic, pardon the pun. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, meat to this topic. Um, uh, I think it's very, uh, I've got a lot of fresh insights for you. Um, a lot that I've been marinating on and, you know, things just kind of uh, fermenting? Mm, I don't know if thoughts ferment. Do they? Should they? Uh, what else? What other terrible puns do I have for you? Um, I guess, um, hopefully you don't have an allergy to truth. Right, okay, I'll stop there. Um, so, I'm going to go through, basically, from my point of view, like I've thought about this quite a lot, um, and what is fair and what's not fair in terms of diet. So there's three basic aspects I'm going to divide this into. Health, so your own individual wellness um, in relation to food. Health, uh, ethics, or you could say maybe um, justice or the minimization of suffering for or, you know, the animals um, or all the beings of the earth. Um, so we've got human health, you could say um, uh, the ethical dimension of minimizing suffering for um, other sentient beings, um, or you might say ahimsa, that's a better way to say it. Ahimsa means non-violence. I was just looking this up before. Like, what is that word? Um, and uh, um, Oh yes, it means non-violence um, coming from you know Buddhism and Hinduism. I think Gandhi was using this idea. Anyway, so health, ahimsa, um, and uh, ecology. So what's good for the environment? Um, well, yeah, you know, 
good for the, the ecosystem of the earth, um, helping Mother Nature flourish sustainably. So, so that's we're going to look at different um, basic different diets. Not a lot of detail, you know, but just um, veganism, vegetarianism, pescatarianism, being an omnivore, um, cannibalism. We're not getting into. I think we can rule that one out straight away. Not good. Um, so, but first, I think straight off, we should um, address the fact that a lot of people, I think, don't even want to think about this. We just want to do what we want to do. And in general, that's something, um, you know, uh, we can probably all relate to in some sense, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this thing that I want to do. Or maybe I should do this thing that I don't want to do. So when your desires and aversions, when your preferences conflict with your conscience or conflict with your sense of what's probably wise, there, is, there are two possible responses. One is you pay attention and you think about it and you um, listen to your conscience and, and then make a decision. The alternative is um, to repress the awareness that... Um, there, you, there is potentially um, uh, an issue. And so o I think often we want to do something, we're very motivated for that, and so when this kind of these alarm bells go off, like, oh, are you sure? Well, not even alarm bells, but just when you're, you've, you're, your conscience taps you on the shoulder, hey, um, there is a temptation to just say, well, I, I really want this, so I, I don't want to... If I listen to my conscience, it might lead me to realize that um, I shouldn't do this thing. Okay, so I'm not even going to let that... I'm not giving that the chance to happen. I'm not even going to look into this, right? And so I think a lot of people who, you know, they love whatever, their hot dogs and blah, blah, blah or their, you know, way of eating, and they hear people saying that there's something wrong with it, they don't even want to look into it um, because they're too attached to what they have, and at least if you bury your head in the sand and ignore um, what you know these people are saying, then you can have the plausible story of, oh, nah, they're just crazy, they're just exaggerating, and you know I'm okay, I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm still a good person. Um, and uh, so that's one way to do it. But I would like to, probably people like that aren't haven't clicked on this video, but maybe there's an element of that in all of us, and so... I would just like to invite you, whoever's listening, just, uh, it's actually in your interest to look into everything. But I'll give you a little escape card. For if anything, uh, whatever you learn in this or th uh, think about due to this podcast, you can always just say, here's your get out of jail free card, all right? I offer to you. Um, is, oh, look, yeah, I understand these qualms and issues people have with my dietary choices, but I'm just I'm choosing to live the way um, my family traditionally has lived. My family traditionally did these things, so I'm doing that. Now, certain things like factory farming, okay, maybe that doesn't actually qualify there. Um, but at a bare, you know, there isn't certain argument um, to be made for. I'm I'm following my traditions, um, and uh, or you know, you might say. Um, Look, I can't. Um, you might be right, but I'm. I'm. You know, things are shaky enough in the universe. With I've got all these other things on. I'm trying to do my best. Maybe I'll get round to that later. Right now, I don't think you should 
just use these get out of jail free cards but i'm offering them to you um and i think we should offer them in general we should offer that spirit of acceptance openness non-judgment because that's going to invite more people into the conversation and if we're ever going to make progress on getting human beings to uh uh eat more wisely like and which is a huge aspect of living um and has huge ramifications for the whole planet and all the beings living on this planet then we really need to get more people into the conversation and rather than just preaching to the choir um and just having a one-way stream of okay you know this is what you should do listen to us we know everything um actually having conversations letting having back and forth dialogues and getting it um spread throughout you know the whole species so so that's the the invitation here is like all of this you can just listen to it none of it is threatening right worst case scenario you can say i either if you're you know eating um say meat etc doing things with um but maybe not getting factory farm meat then you can say this is the way you know basically my family's been living you know for ages so i'm just following that right um or if you're doing more, you know, you're eating fish, you know, taken out in drag nets from the bottom of the ocean, killing off the fish stocks. Um, you're getting e uh, eggs from hens who are having their beaks chopped off so they don't create the pecking order of their hierarchy because they're in too tight a space. They can't, the, the more, the less dominant ones can't back away. So therefore they get, you know, these fights. And so the chickens have to have their beaks chopped off. This is true, by the way, as far as I understand it in close conf confined um, chicken coops, industrial chicken and um, egg production. Um, look, if you're getting the, those eggs, then okay, maybe your ancestors weren't involved in that. But you could say, look, I appreciate those things I should look into. Um, but, you know, look, I've got other priorities right now. And so, but, you know, I will look into that later when, you know, it lines up for me, you know, and people might judge you for that. But at least you're not, you don't need to hide from the truth. You can be taking in information. Now, the taking, uh, actually paying attention to your conscience and listening and take, and this goes for everything, um, ideas you don't want to hear. It could be about politics, could be about whatever, um, all kinds of things. Um, could be what someone is telling you about your very, yourself, you know, and the way you, you, who you really are rather than your self-image. All of these things, it's always in your interest to pay attention and listen to everyone. You can put it through the filter of what you think. So someone tells you a story of what's going on. Uh, you don't, you, by listening to that, that doesn't mean you're endorsing their story. You listen to it. And um, if you're wise, you don't just reject it or just embrace it. No, um, you put it through the filter of your own mind, consciousness and go, okay, what in this makes sense? And see, does that line up with what I know? And, mm, okay, and what about the things they're saying? Do they line up with each other? Are they internally cohesive? And, mm, well, that contradicts that a bit, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And you said this, why do you say that? You could follow, follow it up and try to figure out what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Just see if you can shoot stuff down and, oh, you don't have a reply for that. Interesting. Da -da -da. Okay. So, but you can, um, either on your own or with another person, you can process what people have told you. Um, and then whatever still whatever makes sense to you, congratulations, that's your new point of view. That's not someone else's point of view that you've been forced to take, unless you've been a coward and <laughs> just done it, you know. You know, call, call it as it is. It's a bit rough to be a coward, but hey, we've all been there. 
Um, so, but it's, I had the courage to pay attention to uh, novel perspectives, um, things that I didn't understand or didn't agree with or wasn't aware of. And um, this part of it makes sense to my own inner knowing and my inner sense of what make, what is uh, real and right. So, and then you can incorporate that. Now, of course, there's a death involved, like the phoenix, the death of your past self, and then the new self born from the ashes of that. Um, but hey, it's nice. Everyone wants to be young again, no? So, you know, just keep, uh, you know, swimming in the fountain of youth, uh, guzzling the elixir of life, and uh, it's called truth. Truth, consciousness. Uh, yeah, going with the flow. So that would be it, I think. You know, the basic... I, uh, and here's the thing, right? Um, one more point on this um, before we move on to the details of diet. Uh, so if you... like. If you um, repress the awareness of anything, um, but often it's things that you know make us uncomfortable. It's like your shadow, or you know, oh, I did this thing, or I do this thing regularly, and I don't really like that. That's not a. Uh, it does. It clashes with my idea of my, my vision of myself, my self-image. Then that's your shadow, and you can hide from that. Like Carl Jung talked about this kind of stuff, um, and shadow work, integrating your shadow. You know bring into part of your personality as self-development, being very healthy, very good for you and everyone else. But um, also, you know, other ideas people give you about the world, which maybe you don't want to hear. So if you repress the awareness that there's maybe an issue in something you are doing or thinking um, or wanting or whatever, then it's kind of a deal with the devil you're making. Because you're thinking, all right, well, um, I'm just going to lie to myself. I'm going to block off my, um, I'm not just going to pretend it's something is true. Like, yeah, there's no issue here. Everything's fine. I don't have a sense that I'm conflicted or I'm doing something wrong. It's not just you're pretending that to others. You're pretending it to yourself. So you're actually um, sedating yourself, basically, um, but in a very targeted, precise way. Um, and so, but, you know, you're, you're leaving truth, you know, and it's a very dangerous thing. And the thing is, we it would kind of make sense on one level, even if it's a bit, you know, you know, maybe not so good for everyone else, and maybe a bit selfish, if it was, you know, actually helping you. But the crazy thing is, it's not even helping you. It's like um, the self you think you are being selfish for isn't even you. It's an idea. It's an illusion. Like uh, uh, the your true self. Um, is connected to everyone else. You're one branch on the tree of life. And anyone else that you hurt, you're actually hurting yourself. So the, the real way to be selfish is to be selfless. It's the, the circle's end meeting being its beginning. Um, the ring of power. Uh, or, you know, after at the end of all our journeying, we will return to the place where we started and know it for the first time. That poetry or whatever that is. Um, um, but, but, yeah kind of so much to say uh, that when you say, oh, I don't want to know about this, you know, stuff about, you know, sausages, I love sausages, so I'm just going to eat them. Um, you, by lying to yourself like that, you are actually um, depriving yourself of something far more precious than sausages. <laughs> and that is a connection to who you are, a connection to sober, uh, intelligent awareness of what is happening 
in your life. Uh, so if you want to really be present in your life and actually live your life and not have, you know, uh, automatic thought streams living your life for you while you are sedated in the back seat um, and probably handcuffed and blindfolded um, while they play, you know, Katy Perry on, on the radio and you've got, you can't do anything about it. You're just having these nightmarish kind of, you know, fever dreams of like, you make me feel like I'm, you know, and you're just, of course, um, figuratively, proverbially handcuffed and blindfolded in the back seat of your uh, life, you know. So beware, beware of that. All right, so welcome to um, the land of truth. Let's explore what's going on and what might be going on. And I don't know, I'm just thinking, you know. Um, so, and let me know what you think if you have um, ideas. Uh, by the way, if you like these uh, podcasts, I, uh, subscribe. Click the subscribe button. Um, probably the notification bell too, I guess, is necessary uh, on YouTube. And uh, yeah, share it if you, if you know someone who will enjoy them. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, so, we talked about health, um, ahimsa, or, you know, nonviolence, trying to minimize suffering, maximize well-being for the animals um, that we're sharing the earth with, uh, and ecology. So, so that would be the basic um, aspects we're going to look at. Now, we're going to go through, okay, some, before we go through the pros and cons of different, the basic, um, you know, diets, more or less, um, a few kind of low-hanging fruit, obvious stuff. So factory farming. Um, factory farming, I would say, no, not good. Now, I want to be fair and balanced with this because, look, uh, there's people who, it's their livelihood, they make money from this, they're part of the factory farming system, and they might say, hey, in, in my country, you know, um, we don't have that much money and, you know, this is a way for us to get more money. And, you know, look, sorry, that's just the way it is. But I would say for one thing there, factory farming is um, not necessary for, for um, just from a financial perspective for humans. As far as I'm aware, like, yeah, you can squeeze huge profits, at, but to be able to get that much, to be able to do factory farming, you need a level of scale where you're already some big fish, you're not poor, you're a big company who's running it. If you're a worker in one of these big companies, okay, and, and then you, that's your livelihood, well, if they weren't there, you would be able to work at other farms, which were doing the right thing. So don't be attached to factory farming, be attached to farming. I like farming. It gives me my livelihood. Fair enough. Um, but uh, factory farming, you know, it's, it does boost okay, pr uh, food supply. Um, but I, I think with um, the modern understanding of regenerative agriculture, I believe it's more you can pr more productive. You can produce more food, definitely better quality food, um, and definitely <laughs> sustainably. A big problem with um, the industrial agriculture system is that we only have sixty more harvests um, around the world. The topsoils are being radically depleted because um, we're just taking, 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 and giving nothing back. Um, Whereas regenerative agriculture, the idea is that you put more back into the soil than you take, which should really be, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love do, 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 you make. The Beatles, right? Um, end of Abbey Road. Uh, great song, in the end. Well, it's a short song, but it makes the point. Um, so I think, you know, we don't want to be parasites, right? Do you want to be a parasite? No, I think... 
you want to give more to your friends than you take, give more to your, you know, romantic partner than you take, um, give more to your children than you take, etc. You know, so I think that's a that's the the point of view of love, and that's what we should be aiming for. Like even in practical things like food production, and you know, when we're interacting with the soil, like we don't want to be parasites. That's I don't. Do you want to be a parasite? Let me know in the comments. Hey, I identify as a parasite. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so now, yeah, so factory farming, like um, not as sustainable as um, smaller scale, more traditionally based, and um, regenerative agriculture, which is kind of a synthesis of the traditional agriculture with modern science and what we understand about. There's all sorts of things we can do. And so we've... It's not, you know, getting AI, like, you know, what Bill Gates is thinking of, like, you know, getting all this high-tech centralized stuff, which will make a bunch of money for a bunch of billionaires um, and take away the autonomy and financial independence of large groups of, you know, huge numbers of people um, and having these kind of this corporate centralized vision of like, oh, yeah, you know, let the experts run the world, you know. Not that kind of idea of, you know, bring um, bringing modern science and technology to bear on agriculture but a different vision which could be well encapsulated with the documentary kiss the ground um which is talking about you know the regenerative agriculture movement and how basically you have you can just let small farmers every farmer whatever big farmers small farmers just give them this very pretty simple knowledge i'm sure there's a lot of detail to it as well but at the basis it's very simple um and yeah, which is you're trying to build up the soils. So you're adding organic ag organic content to the soils through largely through planting trees on the ground uh, on the farm, having cows, etc. Th there are many ways um, moving the cows around the grass. Um, there are all kinds of ways of doing it. But um, well, there's a thing Korean natural farming, which is largely about fermentation. Like they'll take rice and kind of ferment it, and then they make like liquids out of that, and then they will use that as this organic fertilizer, and again boosts the microbial content of the soils, boosts productivity, in increases the sustainability and the health of the soils, um, which is also good for rain and to fight off drought. Um, you know, Earth is because it seems it might be dealing with some water shortages in this century if we're not careful. So already, I think in some places. Um, and so if we can improve our methods of agriculture, we can improve water retention and increase rainfall. So the more plants there are on the earth, then when the water, instead of evaporating just from the earth, if it goes up through the plants and evaporates through the plants, then it increases the moisture in the air. And so you, you increase more rainfall, which cause, you know, can um, have more plant growth, and so you get a virtuous cycle you know, um, compared to the opposite desertification which has happened from when we've been turning forests and um uh you know kind of nat wilderness into just grassland to grow stuff without understanding back then what we were doing to the uh, water cycle etc anyway so point being uh factory farming um like it was, hey like i can respect that it was a great um, advancement in terms of like you know human achievement in a way that um, you know productivity, um, you know just the the being able to do that, produce so much food and organize things on such a large scale, um, in a way that's impressive. But um, it's not necessary for us uh, financially, economically, and food production-wise. In fact, there's a fair argument that it's less efficient, um, especially when you take into you know 
not you know the the larger time scale of like yeah we're not we're not planning to run this thing for 50 years are we um or 30 years until you know because uh, it won't be like a year before you know the last harvest everything's fine no, people are going to start freaking out long before that so probably be exponentially crazier um and so we don't want to get there um uh so that there's that basic productivity financial standpoint factory farming seems like a loser there now the big issue but i say that just to connect with people who might feel like it's reasonable or needed of course the real issue um the biggest issue is in terms of um well it comes to these three uh points we're going to analyze diets in terms of um health factory farm food is nowhere near as good for you as naturally um farmed food um um, okay, we'll go into details in a moment. Um, uh, ahimsa and the ethics of it. Uh, like These are conscious beings. They might not be thinking, and maybe they are thinking to some extent. We don't know. Um, just because they don't have language doesn't necessarily mean they don't um, have some form of um, intention and uh, we don't even know, some sort of linguistic um, capacity which they just can't vocalize. Um we don't, I mean, I don't know. I would kind of doubt it, but I don't know. It's possible. I don't have evidence against it. Um, but definitely they have consciousness. The cows, you know, these um, chickens, they are present. Um, I think once you go deep enough into yourself, say you can sit still for a little bit, um, then uh, you will start to, you can connect and hopefully you will, um, connect to the pure consciousness and then go into that a little bit, maybe read a little bit about, you know, the philosophy, the pe how people have tried to understand this and the picture becomes pretty clear pretty quick that the, um, the, the, the all of life, the, the whole universe is alive. And so all these beings, just because they don't have th thought, a mind, doesn't mean that they're not sentient. Sentience and thinking are two separate things. Watch uh, episode seven, Awakening, if you want to know more about what I mean there. That um, consciousness um, and thinking are not the same. And in fact, for us, the highest state is not thinking. It's There's a level above that. Animals have consciousness, pure consciousness. We have this thinking where we can extrapolate into time and abstractions, but we can get lost in them also. You may have uh, experienced this. I'm sure you have. Um, and then uh, we can go above it through spirituality, quote unquote, um, or um, non-duality, or mindfulness, awakening, etc. Um, but so cows, all these these beings which are in these factories, seeing their powers get you know slaughtered. There's ways to do it where they, um, and I'm, I believe they minimize, they try to minimize the suffering as much as they can while making maximum profit. But so they might be out of sight, but you know they can smell things, they can probably feel the vibrations and um, sixth sense sort of stuff. Um, but, and sometimes I believe they're just right in front of each other getting whacked, you know, getting killed and they can see it and we go, oh, but they're just like machines, you know? So, you know, it doesn't matter. They're not really there. Um, so what does it matter? Let's make money. But, so that's a awful lot of suffering um, and it's absolutely unnecessary. There are far more humane ways to um, kill animals if we're going to eat them. So we'll get into that after. Um, on the third, uh, and also for the workers there, Ugh, I don't think that's good for the humans even involved in that, um, that those kind of operations. Um, the third aspect, so ecology, uh, these are extremely ecologically damaging. These huge um, 
all the feces and urine that runs off in, in smaller operations, it's all getting sequestered here and there in the soil, it's balanced. You put them all together, then you've got this huge imbalance of um, all this kind of, you know, intense, um, I don't know, pro product, which is going, they have whole lakes, some of these pig farms have huge lakes, stinking, enormous dark lakes of feces and urine. And um, as far as I understand it, that's not so good for the earth. Um, uh, whereas if it was separate, then the earth can work with it. You know, things can process it, you know, microbes can process it or, you know, insects and whatever can eat, you know, it all gets turned into earth again, you know. Um, and uh, the energy and the water use is off the charts. You know, like we're taking our, our shower, it's like, yeah, limit your shower time to save water. It's like, we can all do that. Um, and if the factory farms, you know, uh, increase their water consumption by like 0.01%, it undoes everything we just did, you know? Like it's such a colossal um, uh, use of water there. So um, that was one thing that I think the documentary Cowspiracy did a, a fair point of pointing out is like the amount of, um, I think, energy and water that these huge operations use. I think other things they got wrong, as far as I understand it, like the effect of, you know, um, bovines, like cows, et cetera, on climate change and stuff like this. Some things aren't totally legit, I think, there. But hey, nothing's going to be perfect, right? But kudos to them for starting the conversation, putting so much work into it. And I think they got a bunch of things right there. And definitely they're coming from the right place, the right spirit, um, uh, which is trying to improve and give to the earth and give to all of us, um, being honest, but also being as respectful as possible. So, yeah. Now... All right, so health uh, of like factory farming, like uh, the 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 eggs you get from those chickens, they're like you know this pathetic yellow. If you get chickens who are running around on you know in the grass eating bugs and from you know the cow poo, you know, and they're just like eating bugs out of that, and they're eating bugs out of like the the grass and you know whatever. Um, though their yolks are like orange, right? So what's going on there? They're, they're and they taste far more delicious, and they make you feel much better. And they've studied them, and lo and behold, there's far more healthy um, in, uh, compounds in there, like whatever it is, like vitamins, minerals, you know, healthy fats, protein, whatever. Across the board, everything's better. Um, same thing with beef. Uh, beef, uh, which is um, from factory farms, and they're eating, you know, they're, there's no, they're not eating grass, right? They're feeding them corn and grain and stuff. Um, as, I, as far as I understand it, those cows... Um, a, they're not as healthy, um, the cows themselves, but then, um, and often they have a lot of, you know, stomach problems, and so they need to give them, um, uh, what do you call it, antibiotics and all kinds of crazy gear, you know, um, and then you're getting that when you're eating them. To some extent, you're getting exposed to these things. Um, and, uh, uh, but also just the, the quality of the meat, the, 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 the taste of it, the look of it, but also, yeah, all the same thing with eggs, right? The as far as I understand, it, there's more minerals, more nutrition, nutrition in um, pasture-raised beef rather than from factory farms, um, and yeah, it just goes on and on. And on a more esoteric level, I think there is something to be said for, you know, the vibrations of these animals who are like unhappy, and that you know they might not quite realize what's why. Just like maybe we're already stressed in modern society, we might not realize why. And then, you know, like you kind of think about it or you get exposed to a book or podcast where someone's kind of putting it in perspective. You go, oh, yeah, we're kind of like 
we're not really living in alignment with the way we've been we were our ancestors lived and we're kind of missing a lot you know human connection we're all running around and it seems like the meaning has been stripped from life we've lost our sense of you know purpose and um and soul just encouraging consumption and whatever um in, in the same way you might have that feeling of angst but not quite be able to put your finger on it i think cows and all these animals they can they're surely aware or feeling the difference from you know being roaming in nature on these green paddocks with their buddies you know um and so and then when the, the animals are being killed or are being you know whatever um or the humans who are interacting with them there are in that kind of hell hole and probably aren't feeling so good themselves compared to a farmer who's walking around their little farm and you know hey cows you know even if it's not a, such a nice farmer if they're in this beautiful paddock it's going to be harder for them to be on a low in a low vibrational state they're probably going to be more calm and happy that cows are going to get pick up on that also be treated better but so all of these that's i there's a, an argument that that is getting into your food the vibrations of what the, the animal has experienced and i think it makes sense and i think you know probably physicists would probably go yeah that kind of that makes sense like um that there's a certain memory to matter like um the vibrational like um yeah i think water has shown you know you can put vibrations through it and it kind of shows some sort of memory of what it was um, and also apparently now this is something where i've just heard about kind of recently ish and been like i haven't looked into it but apparently um emotions water c can if you're expressing like love or like anger at water it forms different structures crystals which goes to that point of that everything is conscious and potentially there's consciousness in water which is kind of interacting with your emotions and your intention um so but you know that's another story and you know i don't know much about that but hey um the for the point our purposes factory farming you're you're getting you're you're eating a big steak of suffering potentially and who knows if you stop doing that maybe try and eat um pasture raised meat um, for a month and see if it makes you feel different you know so that'd be factory farming right um i think and that's one thing where vegans like oh you know meat eater some vegans you know and vegetarians or whatever will get con um, combative against uh people who eat meat etc i think look low-hanging fruit ladies and gentlemen we need to unite not div divide each other right we need to if we're going to do anything we need to be together so we need to unite and focus on look let's get rid of factory farms no, we don't want to hang and, you know, draw and quarter like the people who work there and own them or whatever. We don't want to impoverish them. Let's um, find some way to help it transition into regenerative agriculture. Um, and everyone wins, you know. We're all on one big team, right? Um, and so that could be through government intervention. But in general, I'm more of a libertarian if, you have, if I have to label myself, although that's often a misunderstood term. I think people probably think I mean something different when I say that. Um you mean like a crazy person? Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, but probably better would be voting with our dollars, right? We we become more aware. We spread awareness about this through conversations, and people will start to just buy other stuff, and then the factory farming, you know, system will just naturally go. Oh, if we want to make money, we need to do the other thing. All right, let's take twenty percent of our property and operations and turn them into regenerative. Just twenty percent. Let's just dip our toes. And then soon enough, that's the majority of their, or it's growing. They've got so much demand for that. All right, let's make 30% of our operation regenerative. You can see how that would naturally just supply and demand, transition. They want to make money. If we only give them money for the things that align with, you know, 
um, these principles we're talking about, um, then you know it's inevitable, right? So um, rather than just you know complaining and fighting each other, let's unite and try to spread the message and and sound happy, you know, hopeful. Don't sound like a bummer. People want to ignore you. Go, hey, this is cool. This is this is going to happen if we just kind of you know have a good vibe and you know stick together and kind of try to figure this out together. Um, all right, so no factory farming, I would say. Um, uh, now, in huge industrial fishing is a similar kettle of fish. Um, so the oceans are predicted to be like what empty of fish in like a few decades, or there's all these really dire predictions. And you know, you never know. You've got to take that with a, a pinch of sea salt, because uh, you know, I mean, the media's. Um, due to the rise of the internet and free content, traditional legacy media is in free fall um, in terms of their bottom line. And so are increasingly, it seems, turning to hysteria and um, playing upon more base animal emotions like fear, um, disgust, anger, that kind of thing, um, uh, to get people's attention and so make money through advertising. And also, you know, selling out to advertisers themselves and, you know, printing stories which they might kind of suspect aren't quite true because, well, that's good for the advertisers. Um, so this seems to be happening. So, you know, you never quite know. Um, you need to be a bit diligent with some of the stories you hear in the newspaper, like alarmism. Um, nonetheless, um, the it seems pretty well established that uh, the oceans are in a terrible shape. Um from chemical fertilizers, a lot of, like, say, the Great Barrier Reef, I believe, is, uh, you know, in a terrible state uh, off the northwest, northeast coast of Australia, uh, because uh, largely, I think, of uh, chemical fertilizers being run off through the farms. Again, if there was regenerative agriculture, there wouldn't be that chemical fertilizer. Um, and also, the, uh, the land, if it had more, even if you kept the chemical fertilizers, if you just got more trees on the land, it would retain more water and there'd be less runoff. So and and better for the soil, you know, less erosion for the soil too. So, um, so but so that's one problem: acidification of the oceans. I believe it is from fer um, chemical fertilizers. Um, there's also trash, just people dumping enormous amounts of trash into the oceans. And this is something where we have a, a real obligation in the developed, more educated world. Look, no one wants to. It's you know, obvious, obviously, not a good thing to be thinking, you, you know, oh, you're better than others and trying to push them down and being like some sort of um, egotistical maniac. However, it is true that when people are in poverty, they have less time for education and less interest because, you know, they're, they're focused on dealing with themselves and trying to take care of their lives and probably dealing with a bunch of trauma and um, resentment and anger caused by, you know, people who have been often oppressing them. Um, People in free, fair countries tend to, you know, not be in dire poverty, um, you know, with the exception of, say, addiction and mental health issues. And in general, a lot of the people, there's a huge number of people in the world who are living in terrible, in countries where there's rampant corruption and um, they're doing their best to get by, but that doesn't leave a lot of space for education and awareness of ecological issues. So people like, you know, in India, like I was on a train, had uh, some... Uh, rubbish. I was like, I couldn't see a bin. I was like, oh, I said to someone, uh, excuse me, do you know where there's a bin? And I kind of showed him the thing I had in my hand. Uh, um, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, nods and you know, um, takes it from my hand. 
He goes over to the window and opens the window. He's about to throw it out the window. I was like, no, no, no. And he looks at me like utterly confused. Like, what are you, what's wrong with you? I, I just offered to take care of this. And then I, was, I like, took it back from him. No, 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 I don't want to do that. And he, he just looked kind of like, you know, kind of baffled. Um, and so, and there's rubbish all over the place there. It's a beautiful country, but there's a lot, a lot of rubbish in many, many places. And I think it's just part of the culture when people are forced into a lower level of, you know, more based on survival and day by day, they're less aware of this stuff. When they have that taken care of, the mind, busy as it is, goes, all right, what's next? Hmm, hmm. Oh, well, you know, maybe life would be better for me and my children if there was a bit less air pollution or a bit less of this rubbish around. Hmm, interesting. And it's, we start to expand our selfishness or problem solving, you could call it, into wider realms, including ecology. So we in the... Adv- you know, wealthier world, educated world, um, need to, I think, really pick, you know, get, get our move on, you know, and I guess that's happening already. But um, yeah, because there's a lot of these, you know, like uh, in Asia, there's an enormous amount of trash that's going to the oceans. And I guess they're mo- becoming, you know, wealthier. So hopefully that will, you know, balance that out a little bit. But um, anyway, so there's plastic going to the ocean. You have Boyan Slat, you know, and the uh, ocean cleanup. Um, project or whatever um, who are you know developing some technology to clean up the plastic and that seems to be promising last I checked look it up that's really interesting stuff kind of like have some floating thing which would kind of p- pushes the uh, plastic together um, and then a ship can go and pick it pick it all up when it's dense enough and all together um, but you know that's not good there's fish who are eating plastic and then bigger fish are eating them and then we're eating them and so we're eating plastic right um, you have uh uh, heavy metals in the in the ocean, right? Um, like mercury and whatever, and things that aren't they're really bad for us. Um, and you know we're eating them. And the the big fish that we often eat, they've eaten a lot of smaller fish. So the 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 it's there's a buildup of these you know toxins. Um, there's you know radiation from I I don't know how much that is, but I believe from Fukushima there's still radiation in the ocean. Maybe I'm not sure. Anyway, but. Probably the biggest thing, the thing we need to focus on is um, commercial fishing fleets, which are just going into international waters and just dredging the whole ocean just with these huge dragnets that pick up everything. And a bunch of the things there they don't even want. They just kill them or throw them back in the ocean and they're dying off. Um, and then they just so they can get whatever they wanted. So one thing we could say is you're not allowed to do that, you know, um, or make it really public awareness campaigns where look, um, this is a, a stamp thing saying that you don't participate in that. Um, and we kind of boycott people who don't do it. And we, we give our money to people who do this, who do the right thing. Um, so that'd be a free market solution, or maybe we could use government solutions. Um, given that, look, it's a desperate situation. Something needs to be done. Um, and uh, so when you have all, you know, like... Um, say fi- uh, a certain level of you know fish or creature in the ocean gets killed off then the the animals uh, the the say the fish or whatever let's just say fish for purpose of this the fish the bigger fish who eat them um, now don't have enough food and so uh, they die off and then the ones who are eating them die off right um, or uh, yes it was that and then I think even if you take if we take a lot of the big fish, then I think there's another kind of vicious cycle there where 
the things that they were eating get out of control and then they start overeating their food. And so then uh, they run out of food and they die off. And yeah, so I think I might be messing that up. But basically you have these, you know, kind of chain reactions where, um, and so we, yeah, I think um, apart from the fact that, you know, a lot of the fish in the ocean these days is not very healthy, unfortunately, you need to be pretty careful. Um, uh, Apart from that, and, you know, farmed fish, fish farms in general, I believe, like, I don't know, but from what I've heard, it's not um, very healthy. Like there's a lot of problems with, you know, water flow and, you know, hygiene and stuff. But maybe there's ways to do it that can be good, um, hopefully. Um, but uh, yes, so stopping the, um, I think fishing ideally should be we maybe, you know, a smaller scale thing where we say, look, we're going to limit the amount of fish you can take, but we're going to be able to do this indefinitely. You know, it's sustainable. Um, and you can charge higher prices because there's less of the stuff. But hey, here are some limits. So you're going to make the same amount of money, but it's just that um, we, you know, we would, as the consumers, if we were willing to pay more for fish, then that would be an option. Um, of course, some people, you know, they're like in poverty, and that's something we're going to talk about in a bit, like people who are in a survival situation, then they won't want to participate in that. But it's one, you know, people who are, have the means to do other, to say, pay more for fish or not eat fish that is one you know we could try to have that as one part one component of a strategy where we try to move away from these um huge um just trolling uh uh, commercial fishing fleets um and uh also when they're going uh, there are often they're destroying more than just i think the uh the creatures down there the animal the animals they're also the, the the floor of the ocean they're leaving deserts i believe like tearing up um, you know, like sometimes I think like plants and et cetera down there could be wrong about that. Um, of course you also have like, you know, Jap- Japan's scientific whaling fleet and that kind of thing, which is, uh, <laughs> as uh, what the chasers war and everything said, um, uh, which is hilarious, but dark. Um, this is some, t- uh, great Australian comedy show. Um, someone, some skit where, you know, there's some guy, uh, purportedly a scientist from the fleet saying, um, we have, uh, according to our results, our scientific research, we have decided that um, this whale, that type of whale, and this whale are all equally delicious. Okay, so this is our scientific um, work. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, that's obviously, well, I would say not a good thing. Um, we'll talk about that as well, given whales are so intelligent after. Um, but, okay, so so main um mainstream fishing you know, factory farming i think these are things we could agree need to be changed um uh yeah um monoculture and industrial farming so there's something i mentioned in the um mother nature episode like about just realigning ourselves with nature um to be sustainable and decent and not a parasite um but yeah, monoculture, where you're just growing one type of food on huge areas of land, that's not natural and it's not good for the earth. Um, so the food we grow there, um, I mean, it's going to be less healthy for us because the soils suffer under monoculture. Um, also, you know, monoculture, this is something that's relevant for vegans, is and part of, you know, it's a confusing debate, but something to be, vegans and vegetarians, something that everyone needs to be aware of is... Um, all the food we eat, everything has a cost uh, in terms of life. Um, the death is part of all food, you know. And um, 
So monoculture requires a clearing a lot of land that can't be used by other animals. In Brazil, they're clearing the rainforest. If it's already done, you know, 200 years ago, then we might think, all right, you know, hey, it's live and let live it, you know, or let, let that go. You know, it's the past. Um, we have these huge fields now. That, that's where let's live in the present. Okay, fair enough. Fine. Um, still, there's going to be when you're harvesting that um, the combine harvesters on industrial large scale agriculture going through, they kill countless numbers of um, ground nesting birds and small mammals and insects. And so you might say, oh, yeah, but, the, you know, they're not a, um, so, uh, as big as, a, you know, a cow. So it's like they're not really, you know, like um, as important, you know, like a cow is more conscious. So killing that is worth, you know, but the thing that's a far greater number of lives that are being taken. So there's something we'll mention a bit later, but, you know, monoculture does have this um, in terms of the ethical side of ahimsa, a, you know, a lot of um, com uh, damage. Um, whereas if you have smaller scale operations or if you're just using different, you know, um, kind of uh, growing different crops, I suppose potentially you'd still be killing these um, animals, but, um, but it would be better for the earth anyway. Um, and so ecologically. Um, and potentially, you know, you could have people who are paying more attention, you know, usually smaller scale people need, need to pay more attention to the, what they've got. Whereas a larger scale, you know, less to lose if you mess, you know, I guess you don't need to pay as close attention to each acre, you know, but, um, all right. So monoculture and, you know, industrial farming, all the chemical pesticides, um, uh, which are terrible for, you know, but the insect population and the birds and there's all kinds of problems the bees which are required to pollinate a third of our food there's all these problems where and it's not sustainable so that's something so we have factory farming um uh, large-scale industrial fishing and uh, monoculture and large-scale industrial agriculture i think these really like we don't have much of a choice here we need to as a group as uh, humans not pointing the finger but um just but speaking clearly and saying this is what, what we need to do. We need to find a way to change this. Um, and we can do it in a way where everyone benefits, you know. Maybe some people won't be making as huge profits, like say factory farming. The main reason it's done is there's enormous profits, you know. And, you know, all of these systems, it's all about money. That's the main reason. That's the only reason. Um, and so put yourself in the shoes of you're the scion of some, you know, family who's been wealthy for generations. You've, you know, your family... Uh, uh, so you're the inheritor of this and you're being raised by them. And how do you think you're being educated? How do you think you're being taught to think? And how do you think you think? You probably think the way they think. Um, and they think the way their parents thought, you know. And um, you're probably very proud of this tradition. Um, and maybe your family owns a bunch of investment funds um, that control many, many major corporations. And a lot of the people who really have their fingers on the, the dials and the controls of these systems, and it's not just a small group of people. I think a small group of people have an enormous um, influence over it and could change the whole system if they wanted. A very small group of people, maybe a thousand people, could change the system if they wanted. Um, but, um, but, uh, but there are many, many other people in the system. You know, it's like the thing, the, the 1% of the, the world has you know 90% of the resources or something. But then 1% of the 1% has 90% of that those resources and 1% of that has that. So it's like this pyramid structure, like a fractal that keeps going. So, but the people who are, you know, whatever, whatever, however loosely we redefine them, the people who uh, have the enormous influence over these systems, I think they really like the money 
and what it allows them. And it's everything they've known. The, their life is based upon you know, the, the social circles they're involved in, the activities they get up to, what they do. And so I think we need to be conscious and compassionate about that's a big shift. And for people to sacrifice that, like how much have you sacrificed? I find it hard to sacrifice things. So I can, you know, um, and it's all kind of relative. So, you know, in terms of uh, a poor, per, a poor, very poor person um, sacrificing $1 is maybe the same amount of willpower required as a, a richer person sacrificing $100 or $1,000 or a $1 million. So, but the th there's things that I find very hard to, to, to do, even though I know I should. And so I can empathize that probably there's a, at least a minority of the people at the very top of this system who understand what should happen, um, but find it difficult to bring themselves to do it because they like what's the way it's been. They like aspects of the way it is. Um, and then there's going to be another percentage who are totally, you know, um, keen to do it and try, trying their best, but, you know, in the elite, you know. Um, and then there'll be another large chunk who just aren't interested yet, you know. And so it's kind of, we need to be aware of this. And anyway, all right. Um, and yeah, so another final thing is, so uh, for this kind of things I think we can all agree on, right? So we've got factory farming, industrial fishing, um, monoculture, industrial agriculture. Um, is final thing is being healthy ourselves and not wasting waste not want not you know so being frugal and healthy with food so don't eat more than you need you know um both because that's lightening the burden on mother nature and the system yes there's less money going to the system if you eat less um or potentially if you you uh yeah because if you're wasting food then okay just buy a bit less of it and eat it all you know um and or even if you're eating all the food you have but maybe you're a bit overweight and i'm not fat shaming you know i don't really like that term i think sometimes people are being vindictive and then that is shaming and um but they're, they're they're being malicious and just trying to hurt people and that i don't support that but then there's other times when people are trying to help people so we need to be nuanced here and say people can try to help people and say hey i think look you know i want you to be around for a long time and you know you're kind of putting on a lot of weight you know you're my whatever, you're my uncle or whatever, I care about you, you know, like, let's go jogging together and maybe change your diet. It can come from a place of love. And we need to, if we don't admit that, hey, you're causing more harm than, than good, you know. We need to be nuanced and to notice intentions. But so, say someone, um, uh, but the idea is that, yeah, uh, if you're unhealthy, you're eating too much food, by eating less, um, you're putting less of a burden on Mother Nature um, and the system and the money that you would be putting to that system um, you can use that for other things, put it elsewhere in the economy where it'll be good or save it or invest it in something um, uh, or use it to help yourself grow and be happier in some other way, um, help other people. Uh, so there's that being less, um, putting less pressure on the planet um, and, and you know, we have 60 harvests left or whatever. So if we, uh, with the conventional industrial agricultural system, so you know, it's a small thing, but if a lot of people did that, okay, that might help. Um, a lot of food is wasted anyway, but the companies would have to respond and go, oh, okay, we've got less demand for this. Let's maybe produce a little bit less. Maybe we can let that field just recover this year. We're not going to plant it, you know. Um, and then also for yourself, we need people to be healthy because a healthy body allows a healthy mind and healthy mind allows healthy actions. Healthy actions allow a healthy planet. So if we want to be neurons in the Gaian brain, we want to be 
messengers conveying information back and forth, accurate, inaccurate, doing our best to, you know, um, figure out what's real and what's right, then um, we really need to be as healthy as we can. And so that's another imperative, I think. Be healthy and try not to try to live lightly on the earth. Try not to waste, you know, resources, food and many other resources as well. So that'd be a fourth thing I think we could all agree on, I would hope. Now, um, let's see, into the pros and cons of different uh, ways of eating, diets, right? So we're going to talk about veganism, vegetarianism, pescatarianism, um, omnivorianism, uh, being an omnivore. Um, yes, those. Okay, so vegan. All right, so the pros, uh, you know, you're probably going to eat, in terms of health, you're going to eat a lot more, you, look, if you do it right, if you're not just eating chips and pizza, um, cheeseless pizza, let's say you're not just eating chips and, you know, fried vegetables in, you know, canola oil, which is not good for you as far as I understand it, not good for your heart and many other things, inflammation causing, um, cancer causing. Um, so, but if you're doing it right, like you're eating a lot of fresh food, um, ideally organic food, you're eating, um, you know, with veganism, uh, you're going to get really bored probably unless you find ways to get creative. And so you're probably going to get more diversity of foods just because you don't want to be eating the same thing every day. I think, you know, say what you want about meat, but meats, almost everyone agrees that meat is incredibly delicious. And so you can have meat and potatoes and some vegetables um, and you're probably going to be satisfied. You could probably eat that every day and be pretty happy. If you're eating the same salad every day, um, probably not going to be happy. So one thing veganism can do is um, allow you to get a, a much richer diversity of foods. Um, it can teach you, get, require you if you're paying, if you're you know diligent. Go, mm, I need to be careful um, to make sure, sure I'm healthy. So you might learn a lot about health. That could be a good thing. Um, and uh, so that's it. Diversity of um, foods, maybe more awareness of foods and. And just shaking up your diet a bit, a bit of, could be a bit of a detox, maybe allowing your body to, um, of, often people say they feel better at first, you know, at least when they're going vegan. Um, and potentially, yeah, that is this, yeah, so there seems to be, there's some sort of benefit there. Um, now, so that's health. Uh, and, you know, it depends, like, um, if you're eating a lot of bread, then, you know, uh, maybe that's not so good for your health, you know, it's basically sugar. So you want to be aware of sugar and um, seed oils and overly processed stuff. Um, but, uh, it, okay. But, you know, if you're, you know, doing it f fairly intelligently, um, you're taking B12 supplements, you're being aware of phytic acid. So you're being careful that, you know, to make sure you're calculating your, um, and, you know, just judging by your feeling like that you're getting enough nutrition. Um, then that should be fine. Um, that's health. Um, now, the ahimsa side of veganism, as mentioned before, yes, um, you are avoiding, you're not participating and funding um, the killing of animals, cows, chickens, pigs, etc. Um, so on one level, hey, that's cool, you know, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, like uh, you're avoiding the death of these animals. Um, now... Um, you are, however, um, therefore going to eat more grains, probably, and, you know, other like, vegetables and fruits and stuff. Um, and 
I, su I suppose if you avoided grains, it might be pretty, pretty all right there because grains is the real issue where monoculture with grains, um, it causes far more death than um, meat eating um, with uh, like one cow. One cow can feed a person for like a year or six months or something, a very long time, right? Um, whereas um, to feed someone for that long with grain, it's going to be like, what, I don't know, thousands, millions of deaths of um, little creatures, you know? And we say, well, yeah, but they're less conscious, so, you know, they don't matter as much. But are we qualified to make that calculation, you know? Um, is not all life equal? It's it's consciousness here and there. Um now, um, I, yeah, okay, so there's that, um, and also, uh, when you're vegan, um, say the whole world went vegan, and we stopped eating animals, okay, so, uh, money doesn't grow on trees, so, um, the, in order to house and feed and water these animals, um, where would that money come from? We would need to agree or tax people or to fund that. And then would we have the same huge numbers of animals on the land? Um, or would we just set them free and, you know, let them wander around and, you know, uh, I guess maybe let them wander around Siberia and, you know, build up the soils by pooping everywhere. I don't know. Um, or pigs, you know, pigs go wild and they can be very dangerous for the local wildlife. They can be a pest in Australia, you know, you know, it can be really dangerous and, you know, harmful for other creatures, etc. So there's that to be thought of. Um, and so if we weren't eating these animals, um, it seems pretty much inevitable, for, as far as I can tell, that w their population would need to be, would decrease a lot. Either we would cull them, or probably if we were all turning vegan, we would let them live out their lives. So maybe cows, I think, can live what, like 12 years, 13 years, or something like this. I'm not sure. But so we let them live and then they die and, you know, uh, that's, that's it. And then the population is much smaller. So you'd have a, a far smaller, imagine you're a cow soul and you're trying to incarnate as a cow. Um, there'd just be less opportunities for life. And so I think, and I don't know the answer here, but it seems like by, if you can eat ethically raised beef, right? So beef, which is coming from a, um, from pasture, the, the, you know, the animals are kind of wandering around with their friends and their social, you know, connecting socially with the other cows. And then they're eating the grass and then everything's sunshine and rainbows. But then one day, you know, one of them's taken off and, you know, um, gets a, a bullet to the head um, quickly without them realizing if it's done in some way where it's as humane as possible um, with the minimum suffering possible. Um, and then that animal is used to feed people and give life to humans, you know. Um, and humans can do a lot of wonderful things as far as all the bad stuff. So that's not like a pointless enterprise, sustaining humans, you know. Um, and so um, that um, that life, um, they can have that life. And many, 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 by eating, if humans are eating, um, say we could transition away from factory farming and just have cows which are on the land in the more traditional way and we were some of the people were vegetarian some people were vegan um and some people are om omnivores and they're eating the cows then this allows that cow population to still live and have a place in the world and keep you know experiencing and expressing them, themselves there in whatever way a cow does and so 
it might in a way almost be a hubristic human thing to think we're going to save you cows by removing you from the the animal kingdom basically shrinking your presence you know um maybe like i'm sure people have a visceral reaction of like oh you know but we're killing them but we're also death and life death and life kind of come together you know and we're also allowing them the 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 opportunity for life and it seems like they, they wouldn't have that in the absence of the demand and the money which supports them because people want to eat their, their bodies now i will mention something which you know from my point of view um i don't think like when a cow gets killed i don't think the cow who the cow really is dies i think the whole universe is consciousness so from my i understand this is just my point of view many other people's point of views as well and throughout history um but and i think you know lo- logically there's a good case for this point of view as i made in episode seven you know awakening um tried to make um but from my point of view for what it's worth uh i think when an animal gets killed it's a transition that that conscious i don't know how it works it's mysterious you know but that soul or that consciousness that space of you know the internal space of here i am and you know like the the audience of one which is looking out through the eyes you know kind of in the head so to speak um that first person point of view that a cow can have and you look at a cow and you see there's someone looking back at you right whoever that is i think that that is consciousness and it's got nowhere to go it is the universe so however it works whether it's reincarnating as another cow it's like a soul and it's developing on its own journey or whether it's just the universal consciousness, the universal mind, um, just the universe experiencing itself inside out. And so, you know, the body is gone and just it's like a wave, you know, it goes back to the ocean and then it can form a new wave. Um, from my point of view, if a cow is humanely slaughtered, um, that it's not like we have, um, I think it's a different thing to what some people might think if they're coming from the point of view of materialist science, where they're thinking everything is an illusion, the soul is not real, love's not real, there's no um, life after death, um, and that that's it, that's a wrap. And so that's something to keep in mind. I think I think there's a lot of reason for to think to believe in this very hopeful perspective, but I think it just happens to be true that um, we are consciousness at our core, and every being is consciousness, and that death, when we die, whenever, um, when any other being dies, it's not the end. We're going back to where we came from, you know. And um, and you know, it's like that kind of thing. This is a little aside, but I used to think like, wow, how amazing! It's so unlikely that I would be born, you know, like that, you know, of all the sperms, you know, like that were racing for the egg, and then um, I happen to be the one I am happens to get, you know fertilize the egg and turn into me um and then you think like you know not to go into too much detail but like if one's parents had you know different plans and you know they weren't doing certain things on that day or they're doing other things or you know someone was late giving them coffee in the cafe so they missed a taxi and so something changed and there's a different conversation and so someone didn't take a flight or this happened and just changed butterfly effect things change there's so many little you know then I wouldn't have even been able to win the race of one million sperm. It would just be like, um, it wasn't the race didn't happen. Just got recycled, you know. <laughs> I wasn't part of it. Um, and if you think about that, that's just one little thing that could happen. Like you know, twenty four hours earlier could derail that event, those plans. Um, 
and it goes back thousands of years, millions of years, you know, all the events that were required to set up that moment. So I just was staggered, like, oh my God, how incredibly unlikely, it's almost like impossibly unlikely that I would be born. What are the odds, you know? And then that's a very, I think, important insight or mind uh, set to kind of understand and feel. But then what's even crazier is coming one step further and realizing, actually, I am the only one who could have been born because we are all the universe and there is only one who can ever live a life and it is the one. And I know it as the one through Jamie and I call it Jamie and it feels like Jamie and I'm, hey, it's not the same as Joel Pianto. Shout out to Joel Pianto, um, good friend of mine back in the day in Australia. I uh, haven't seen him for yonks, but point being, we're not the same person, you know, but I think there is a point deep down where we are the same. It's just like, um, you know, our memory is so short that part of it seems, I mean, the mystery, I don't know, full disclosure, I, I don't understand, but it seems like part of being a human is we, uh, and being any animal, a cow or a bee or whatever is your memory is restricted and you're channeled into this form and this is who you are. But I think at the end, it's like what Ramda said, death is like taking off a very tight shoe, you know, <laughs> and it's not what we think. It's a transition, you know. And so from, if that is true, then that puts a whole other spin on the ethical ahimsa dimension of um, eating animals. So veganism, okay. Um, the, the, we talked about um, health. Um, the, the thing is with, with health, you, you, I should mention with veganism, it is quite easy to be unhealthy as a vegan. You need to be careful. You need to make sure um, you need to be, if you're doing it, I think you need to be on point and make sure you're eating enough protein, um, you're eating nuts or, um, I don't know what can you protein, I mean tofu, but I, as far as I understand it, tofu and soy aren't actually very healthy for you. I could be wrong, it's quite controversial, but from what I can figure out, that's the sense I've gained. Um, but like maybe fermenting them, it might be okay. But um, there's like uh, um, estrogen analogs and things and certain things that seem like maybe not the best for you. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, whatever you can get protein through um, vegan being a vegan, right? However way, whichever ways you can do it, um, uh, and you know fats and you know enough of these vitamins, etc. But it's doable, definitely doable. I think there's probably a very very small percentage of people who can't do it just genetically, probably I would imagine a small percentage. But I think almost everyone can do it, and probably most people can do it pretty easily. Um, but they just need to pay a little bit of attention and put in, invest a bit of time figuring out, you know, okay, what do I need? What does the body need? And where can you get it? And what do I like eating? And how can I, you know, find the common ground between what I need and what meals can give it to me that I will eat? Um, and so you can do that, you know. Um, but um, if you don't do that um, and you're eating fast food and, um, you know, uh, I think you uh, and just you know potatoes and just maybe certain foods which are um, too much and it's not giving you a balanced diet then I think in a way unfortunately although perhaps you're coming from the right place um, it's not actually so virtuous um, because we need you to be healthy we, we need we need you all hands on deck I think you know at this point in history so I you know not like uh, and for yourself, you know, for your own happiness, um, 
your friends want you to be happy, your family want you to be happy, and I think you want to make them happy. So, um, but that's probably not, I think most vegans probably are, um, are healthy, you know, but um, I don't know the numbers, but um, but yes, um, but so you need to pay attention though. Okay, that'll be the lesson. Now, uh, ecologically, um, yes, veganism, um, well, the monoculture, a lot of vegans, you know, you need to be aware of the mono, monoculture issue. You can't, you, if you want to be vegan, then that doesn't mean that's the end of the story. It's like, okay, I think you also need to be aware of, good, you're not part of factory farming and um, industrial fishing, but there's also the monoculture issue and industrial farming. So that's something to be aware of. And it can be tricky where you're going to have to pay more money basically to, I guess, get grains, which are, you know, not from that system. Um, and uh, also, you know, I guess, um, is there any other ecological issues with veganism? I would say that's the main one. Um, yeah, potentially, again, like actually having cows on the land in the traditional way, that's actually healthy for the land. So if everyone went vegan, then maybe that would be a problem. Um, but I think it, um, probably what's going to happen, hopefully, is a bunch of people will be vegan, a bunch of people will be vegetarian, a bunch of people will be omnivores, and we can make a way, find a way to make it all work. And so I think... But, um, but yeah, so if you've never been vegan, it's something, it'd be interesting, and I'd recommend, you know, trying it. Um, but for me, it's not something I felt um, uh, drawn to continuing, um, not because it was too hard or something. No, it was great. I loved it. Um, but eventually, at a point, I came to the decision originally for these three reasons, health, ethics, or ahimsa, and um, ecology. They were the three reasons I went vegan, because I thought, oh, yes, I should mention this, right? I thought meat, well, you know, oh, it's not actually that healthy turns out that's not true as far as i understand um i'll go into that in a moment um uh ahimsa or minimizing suffering um you know i hadn't thought i didn't wasn't aware of say what a lot of you know the production of grains etc involves and and you know other even growing you know cabbages and stuff you're killing all the pests you know that are trying to eat them you kill them there's a lot of death involved in all these foods um Whereas a cow, I guess, you're not really killing pests from a cow, really, you know. They swat away the flies with their tail and, you know, they they eat the grass. Maybe the cows are eating some uh, some bugs, but hey, that's on them. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, so, and then ecologically, um, one of the things I think in Cowspiracy they said was that, yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, the animal agriculture uses so much water and so much um, land and um, it, it does, but a lot of that's factory farming, the water, um, and actually the best way, uh, it seems like the best, most efficient use of water, just society-wide, is if we have um, regenerative agriculture um, on small farms, big farms, whatever, you, it's scalable. Um, uh, then, um, and again, look at Kiss the Ground, that documentary, One Buck, you can watch it, or it's on Netflix for free, I think. Um, really good documentary. Woody Harrelson's narrating it. Good old Woody. Um, um, and uh, so uh, water management through that is, is very um, is optimized, it seems. So that doesn't seem to hold water. <laughs> wait, wait. Um, energy use. Yeah, I think a lot of that is uh, factory farming. Um, and where well, they say like transportation of moving foods around but i think that's it's a problem in general with you know industrialized agriculture if we could have smaller farms and a lot of that would also be i think 
gets into other topics, but you know, transforming away from you know oligarchy toward a more free, economically free society based lower taxes, less regulation. Perhaps it would be easier for people working for farms to go save up for ten years and then break off and start their own farm. You know, but we could talk about that in another episode. But um, uh, but the crucial thing Cowspiracy talked about was um climate change and that the the basically the emissions from cows being the number one uh, greenhouse gas contributor above transportation so you know methane and i think co2 carbon dioxide from cows um and i think uh, there is something to they do release certain gases um and um however um as far as i understand it from looking into it further it um it really does seem um uh that um they are it's actually the opposite um if cows um, and bovines etc chickens or let's just say cows you know if they're on pasture and they're cycled around so they're not eating too much of this grass they eat this grass and they move on they move on you know their feces is going into the earth all around so that's a natural fertilizer stimulating microbial and you know insect um activity um chickens can go around eating you know there and you know that's enhancing the soil um etc um and uh this actually builds up the soils and the farmers say hey i've been doing this for 10 years my soils have you know they're thicker than they were and noticeably darker you know and there's people that show pictures of this online if you look look into this yourself you know um but uh there's a guy heart and soil heart <laughs> australian heart 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 and soil, um, instead of soul, heart and soil, um, is a website and I think a company that make supplements based on like organ meats and this kind of thing. But they're um, they're run by or affiliated with this doctor who's into talked about the um, carnivore diet um, and just eating meat. Um, and uh, but uh, um, apart from that issue, he, he talks a lot about regenerative agriculture and how you know, bovines can actually heal the the earth. Like, um, and they've they've been here for a long, long time, and they weren't doing damage. You know, they're enhancing the biodiversity and the um the health of the 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 soils, and that's what they have been doing again in places where this this has been um, implemented. And so you've got people who are, how are they doing this? Where are they getting the money for these operations? Meat. You know, they sell the cows. They k- kill the cows after and. The soils have been rejuvenated and healed. And so you might say, oh, but that cow, we took that cow's life. But yes, but that cow gave life to all these fields, which are now enriched because of its living there. And if we weren't eating it, it would never have been there, you know, and so it would have no legacy in the grass, you know. The circle, the circle of grass. I mean, life. Yeah. All right. So now... um, I think that's yeah okay so that's veganism saying you know climate change we need to stop eating cows i don't think that's true actually fact there's you need to differentiate between factory farming which is not doing any good causing a lot of problems um and um regenerative um agriculture where you've got a lot of plants growing on the land and you've got all kinds of stuff in the mix like permaculture you know you're mixing all kinds of stuff and there's synergies the whole is greater than the sum of its parts cows chickens um, vegetables, grains, all this stuff growing together and being raised together. So, all right. Um, now, vegetarianism would be, okay, you're eating animal products also. 
So you're eating dairy, or you allow yourself to eat dairy, to eat eggs, um, and uh, honey, right? So I think um, honey, like a lot of you know the bees. Um, I won't go into too much detail there, but I think we want to make sure the bees are happy and healthy because we really depend on them. I think a lot of beekeeping they use you know chemicals and certain things which maybe aren't the best but a lot of the problems with the bees as i understand it has been um pesticides being used on like neighboring farms etc like neonics especially which were banned in the european union at least for a while um because it seemed like they were disorienting bees and causing colony collapse um there's that and also electromagnetic pollution like all these emfs from me doing a podcast and um everyone using phones and electricity everywhere um potentially is disorienting the bees um because it's just like you know, the radio, you know, they used to have a walkie-talkie with the hive of what's going on. Um, this is my understanding of it. It might be wrong, but they used to have this walkie-talkie talking to the hive. What's up, yo? You know, and then now it's just like flooded with all these, you know, Katy Perry bangers and, you know, um, <laughs> et cetera. Uh, and just, you know, um, all the madness of all of our communications and so disorienting the bees. So, but in terms of eat, um, eating honey, I mean, I think... Again, uh, if those bees wouldn't be there, we shouldn't we shouldn't maybe go and um, just take it from wild, you know, just go ramp, pillage wild honey. Um, if it's done sustainably and you're encouraging them, you're giving more than you're taking, then maybe that's cool. But you know, maybe you're planting a lot of flowers and bushes that they love and are good for bees, and you're helping preserve them. And then, okay, great, maybe you can do that. Have a forest where. Um, which is another type of agriculture, like forestry, where based where you have basically a forest and a bunch of the trees or things in there would be things that we can extract food and you know whatever benefit from. And so again, that's another model we can use. Um, but so if you're doing that kind of beekeeping, sure. But I think um, otherwise, you know, let them be. <laughs> let them be. That was an accidental pun. All right. Um, uh, now, uh, but if it's in kind of our own bees where we're having bee keeping bees um, on small farms or big farms i see no problem with that so long as yeah they're not keeping the honey but again they're not going to be there <laughs> don't stop laughing they're not going to be there if we stop these practices right so okay it seems like it's good for us good for them they get to live you know um so why not you know um uh and yeah, so that's the bees. Um, eggs, yeah, if chickens are, like chickens in factory farming, uh, it's been a long time since I've eaten any of those eggs. And I don't eat eggs at restaurants. And I, I tend to, um, uh, perhaps occasionally if I've had too much Guinness, I might have eggs or meat at um, out at somewhere where I'm not sure where it's coming from. But I think I should stop doing that. Um, but in general, um, I don't eat eggs or meat from a place if I'm not confident that it's coming from a, a good source. Um, so I'll just be vegetarian, um, you know, get, uh, if, uh, if that's the case. Um, and so uh, now, although I do do it with sometimes a cheese pizza from places where I'm not sure where the milk's coming from, so perhaps that's also not really justified, full disclosure, because um, we'll talk about dairy in a, I guess we should talk about that now. But, um, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, so I guess what I try to do is um, 
and uh, thinking about this, what I will be doing is sticking to um, ethical sources of food um, when I'm eating out. Um, and I think, you know, everyone, they're on their own journey. Everyone's on their own journey and where they're comfortable with. But uh, that's something I just want to do. I don't want to get a pepperoni pizza when I don't know where that, those pig, how those pigs are being raised. I don't want to be eating chicken. Chickens are having their beaks chopped off. Pigs that are, you know, um, living in their own squalor. Maybe they like that. Dirty animals. Um, and uh, cows that, you know, are um, uh, living in terrible conditions, um, cramped inside under neon lights um, and not outside um, where they should be. So, but... Um, but nonetheless, uh, if if they are um, raised in, in good conditions, where so chickens, um, so, so eggs, we're talking about v- uh, vegetarianism, right? So eggs, if they're from happy chickens that just are hanging out, you know, they're roaming around. Could be even be eating grain, you know. I think I think the as far as I know, the effect of that is it's less serious for chickens. I think. I think they're then um, cows eating grains. I think for their health, it wouldn't have as big an effect. I might be wrong there, but I'm not. But um, but uh, definitely, it, it lowers the quality of the eggs though if they're eating grain, you know. But um, but if they're roaming around um, ideally on grass, you know, and then then they're laying their eggs. If there's no rooster there, those eggs are never going to turn into chickens. It doesn't work, right? They're not fertilized. So. By taking them and eating them, we're allowing the chickens to live. They're helping the earth. They're part of the ecosystem. Um, and so why not do that? And make makes us healthier. If we're healthier and in general, if the world is healthier, there's more prosperity and we've got survival handled, you know, we've got nutrition taken care of, then that allows us to, to um, engage in more elevation of our consciousness and being better custodians of the planet. So enough of the self-hatred of humans, you know, Let's and like, well, we don't belong here. No, we, we're part of nature. We belong here, um, and we just need it. And even if you think, ah, oh, no, we're all screwed. Let's just get rid of us. Most humans are not that. Um, most humans have not lost their self-preservation instincts at this point, <laughs> even at this point. Um, and so, they even if for my ten percent of people go, all right, let's uh, you know sabotage our industrial our um, well, yeah, our, our system, and let's just uh, stop doing this. Other countries are still going to do it, you know. Um, so I think the real way, if you want to, we want to move things in a better direction. We need to find common ground and start with the low-hanging fruit. Once we agree on that, we can move forward, you know. But so, chickens being like, yeah, okay, I won't hate you if you're eating eggs. Um, but I just say, in you know, in a non-judgmental kind of uh, likable manner, say. Hey, have you ever had a uh, free-range eggs? Like actual free-range, not like because that's another problem. The labeling, like it could be free-range, and they they're outside for one hour a day, you know. So, and again, you know, problem with maybe lobbying the state. People go, hey, uh, we're free-range. You like money, don't you, for your le- next election campaign? Or, or you know, Mister Bureaucrat, like come meet my wife. Let's go to this fancy restaurant, you know. Um, so there's problems there in terms of labeling. It seems where, but, but saying to someone, hey, uh. Actual, like, you know, um, part, you know, chickens living on the land eating grass, uh, eating, eating bugs, you know. Um, have you, have you ever eaten those eggs? And they're really delicious. They're really orange and really healthy for you also. More, more healthy, yeah. 
um, they're not much more expensive, you know, and um, chickens are happier. And yeah, have you ever had them? You're like, uh, no, I haven't. Oh, you should try them. They're really nice. That's a much more effective way of trying to improve the situation for chickens, right? Transitioning people, baby steps. Instead of saying, stop eating eggs, go, hey, why don't you eat those eggs, which um, maybe can, clashes with my ideology of I don't want to eat any animal products. But hey, okay, if you're you know eating those better quality eggs, even if you're still eating meat and stuff, if I could persuade you to eat more ethical uh, eggs, then that's a big victory, you know? So I think vegetarians, you know, you can eat eggs and, and ideally from like, you know, not from the factory farming system, I would say. Um, uh, even if you're like, oh, I don't have much money. It's like, okay, you probably have, you know, I don't know, uh, eat less food and eat better quality food. Um, or you, uh, you can... Know, can you save money elsewhere? Can you drink less, or could you work a bit more? Or um, some people, maybe the answer is no, and they need to eat low-quality food. Fair enough, you know. Um, I wish you all the best there. I'm, um, you know, so some people are in much harder uh, situations economically, um, financially. But um, ideally, yeah, um, de divest, divest from the factory farming system and industrial agriculture system in general. Um, and so that those industries and the power and money behind them, those investment funds or whatever, or families who are, have the largest influence over them and all the small investors who are part of them, et cetera, they'll all start deciding to shift towards this other model if we uh, vote with our dollars. So, so we've got um, honey, I'd say, yeah, no problem for vegetarians. Uh, eggs, yeah, just do it right for both of them. Um, dairy, okay. Now this, um, uh, I was just looking up a bit about this um, before this podcast because um, the conventional dairy system um, uh, now, and th this is something where, to be honest, I probably did th that deal with the devil of like, ah, eh, they probably don't need to look into that right now, you know, but um, so I, um, but look, um, and then now in the middle of this podcast saying, oh yeah, I eat cheese pizzas from places where, um, it's delicious, but I don't actually, it's like cheap enough where I would suspect they're getting the lowest, you know, the cheapest cheese they can get probably. Um, meanwhile, there are other places where I think, you know, it'd be good cheese. And I'm planning to ask them now. I'm going to go, hey, where do you get your cheese? Like other, the cow, what, are, can you tell me the farm? Can I look it up? You know, and just see, and even in a friendly way, talking to your restaurants that you go to um, or your butcher or whatever, and just asking questions like that, that lets them know, hmm, this is where the winds are going, you know, and um, maybe even out of pure interest, they might go, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to ask them. And then they might go, oh, I, hmm, I might get a different supplier or, you know, if you don't want to buy it, they might go, well, that's interesting. Maybe for more selfish reasons, I should think about getting a more sustainable one, um, you know, and you might mention that, oh, well, yeah, I'm looking for farms. I know there's this farm and that farm, the certain farms where they're doing it on this basis you know, and so they say it's not much more expensive, but it's just, you know, they're taking care to do it right by the animals. That's why I'm going to, so thank you, but no, I'm not, um, I'm only interested in buying that kind of stuff. They might go, well, they might be, you know, you might encourage them, which would be a big thing if you're encouraging suppliers or butchers or restaurants to change stuff, not through pressuring them, but just through being honest and communicating, then that's a great thing. Um, and likely to have a big effect and snowball effects. Um, now, uh, so, but conventional dairy, right? So they, 
Um, a lot of it's factory farming, right? So that's, again, we've been through that. Not very good. Um, and um, for, you know, both for your health, um, you know, the milk of cows who many of them are sick um, and are on antibiotics or, you know, having growth hormone to make them grow faster. Um, they're stressed. Um, uh, they were taken away from their mother on the first day or within the first week because apparently um, the longer you leave them with the mother, the more attached they get. Mm, surprise, surprise. And so the more distress it causes, the more they will vocalize, says the, the article. I was reading Wikipedia for this, but... Um, but, uh, you know, in general, you've got to double-check your sources. But for this one, it seemed pretty much in favor <laughs> of the, um, uh, you know, very non-critical of the industrial industrial dairy system. So I, I read it and, you know, I, I could probably um, believe that anything negative they're saying is probably true because they're trying to say nothing negative. Um, but, uh, but in general, yeah, we should do wider research. But um, so... The, um, the cows, you know, basically they, they, they look for their mums more and they, they vocalise more, um, you know, I guess like, you know, kind of crying or whatever or just trying to communicate. Um, and so, and so, but however, if they leave them longer, then they will be healthier and happier and more productive with milk. So they've got, they've probably got some calculus, some dark black magic calculus of like, okay, how long do we leave them with the mother so that um, we get optimum milk production um, given that we don't want them to be too attached later that'll be difficult and stress them but we, we want them to be attached enough so they get that benefits of being happy and you know thus producing more milk so that's a bit you know that's a bit messed up right um, the good news is that's not the only way right so this is very really good news uh, as far as I can tell um, so that is the conventional system right um, and so for health I would say, you know, like there's good evidence that that is not as healthy as cows, which are eating grass. They're not what they're meant to be eating naturally, right? It just makes sense. I believe this has been studied also. But I'm not certain. But definitely with meat it has. So it makes sense that with other foods it be the same deal. It's the same animal, after all, cows. Um, and uh, on top of that, you have raw milk is actually, as far as I understand it, much more healthy than uh, the milk you get generally, where... A, they're taking away a lot of the fat, which is the healthiest part of it. Sugar makes you fat. Fat doesn't make you fat uh, unless you're also eating sugar. Then, you know, it can be a problem. But um, so fat's actually very, very good for you um, if you're if it's part of like a healthy diet, low sugar diet, you know. Um, and so uh, natural fats, that is, not trans fats and, you know, artificial kind of stuff or like um, seed oils from, you know, whatever. Um, but... So the, uh, the, the, the milk you're getting in terms of health from factory farming, um, they're often taking away the fat, which is, and then maybe they're adding sugar or things to try to make it taste better because fat makes it taste good. Get rid of the delicious healthy part and put some substitute, um, which, probably, which isn't even, you know. Yeah, so um, there's that. Also, they are homogenizing it and pasteurizing it. So they're heating it up basically, right? to kill um, bacteria and enzymes. And the reason they do this is to make it last longer so that they can sell more of it. It's a mass production strategy. However, 
it's um, not actually necessary for your health. In fact, it's far healthier, as I understand it. Don't sue me. Uh, um, the enzymes, um, like there's good bacteria and bad bacteria, right? So um, if you're just heating it all, you're killing both of them. And um, it, at the beginning, it seems like it's mostly, it's good bacteria. It's like uh, the bad bacteria comes in later. So you're getting this stuff, which is um, a, a food, um, d you know, designed by Mother Nature for these baby cows, and it helps them grow. These little mammals, it helps them grow very fast, same as mother's milk for us, right? Um, now, we're not cows, sure, but we have been trying to survive, and it's been very difficult for ten, th you know, thousands of years. And for the last 10,000 years, we've been drinking goat milk, sheep milk, cow's milk, etc., right? And turning it into cheese and yogurt and whatever. Um, so... Um, and you might say, we shouldn't have been doing that. Okay, well, you know, it's easy for you to say that now as the inheritor of all that hard work of these people having a rough time, most of them having a very difficult time to get through history. And we should be very grateful for our ancestors, I think. Um, and all ancestors, all the whole species, you know. Um, and we're all pretty closely related when you zoom out you know, a little bit. Um, anyway, so, but this little, you know, growth juice from the, you know, which is milk, um, uh, it's, you know, uh, good. It's healthy for baby cows and healthy enough for um, humans. Now, nothing is totally healthy. Like, well, I mean, many things are a bit of a mix. Like vegetables, a lot of them, you know, will have a bit of some stuff which isn't so good. Like spinach and kale, very healthy, but it has oxalates. These things that aren't really good for you. And so if you cook it a bit or steam it, I believe it's a bit better for you. Um, so usually... It, Cooking decreases the um, the uh, nutritional value of food in general, and makes it um, less bioavailable. Like harder, you know, for, you get less out of it. Um, if you've grilled some carrots versus a fresh carrot, you know, you're getting less nutrition in general. Um, but with certain things like kale, um, spinach, etc., I think because of the oxalates, when you cook it, it actually makes it better for you. Um, but anyway, but you know, vegetables can have things that aren't that good for you. You know. Um, but it's more good than bad, right? So it's th two steps forward, one step back, you know? Still worth doing. Um, dairy could, seems like, it, I don't know about the details of it. I think it's different for everyone's body, but it definitely keeps us alive. So that's something to be said for it. It's food, it's edible, it keeps us alive. Many people in the world, that's all they need. They're not some Westerner, to, you know, thinking about, you know, whether they should go vegan or not. They've got They've got babies who are sick and, you know, warplanes are, you know, bombing the nearby village and, you know, there's a whole other worlds on this planet, you know, and um, so if we're thinking about the general patterns of what's a healthy way to live and what should we organize our society upon um, and what should we be making, then I think it's important to be able to concede like, yeah, okay, maybe dairy in a certain way, it might not be the healthiest thing. Um, for some people, it seems like it's, you know, less healthy, it causes more problems. Um, but cheese and more fermented versions like kefir, which is probiotic, which is very good for you if you can tolerate dairy. Um, and Greek yogurt, not with sugar, but the fatty, as fat as possible. Um, Greek yogurt, good for you if you can tolerate, you know, um, dairy. And then cheese and then even milk, you know, um, and cream. Uh, if we, I think it's important to be able to understand, okay, even if I'm not going to eat them, to understand like, uh, what is right for our society be, to be doing? And is it okay that we pr people are producing these things? And yeah, I think it is okay. And 
it boosts the food production. Um, it allows more, more cows can have a livelihood. You know, they have a reason to be there. I will get to the the issue of the the mothers being separated from the babies because that's important. Um, but in terms of uh, the health, um, so um, raw milk seems to be the healthiest um, because it doesn't. It, it you just need to drink it soon enough. You know, within a few days or even within a week, I think, um, and or longer maybe depending on certain conditions. Um, but definitely within a few days. So you can have local farmers producing raw milk for people. And that's going to be the healthiest form as far as I'm aware. And so, um, and it's the most delicious. Very, very good. Um, and uh, so, but we, so the factory farming system, you're getting that homogenization and pasteurization of dairy, making it basically killing all, all the good enzymes and bacteria. Then it makes it harder for your stomach to process it basically. So you need to do it all the work yourself, whereas the enzymes in the milk will help you digest it, as far as I understand it. Um, less energy is required of your body. Um, and so it, in terms of health, I think, you know, it depends on the person, but vegetarians can be having these things, you know, dairy, eggs, and honey. And you know, they're animal products, but they can be good for you, you know. Um, uh, um, now, in terms of ahimsa and um, suffering, Okay, so the chickens, uh, yeah, I think, you know, chickens are probably pretty happy just hanging out, being little dinosaurs, you know, and if they're on grass, um, I think they would notice that difference less than cows, um, but I still think they probably, they must notice it on some level, and we notice it, and we like it, you know, being able to see these chickens hanging around, you know, it's nicer than having them in a factory, especially if their beaks chopped off, um, so that's good. Uh, bees? Everyone likes bees, right? Everyone wants to be free. Um, and uh, so that's nice. You know, you can have people, um, if you've got like a an apartment building or something or where you can have access to the rooftop. Um, a dear friend of mine in um, Montreal uh, had or maybe has um, a uh, bee, um, beehive on top of the roof and um, made or makes uh, honey from it. And so that's, you know, a little bit less pressure on the earth. You're kind of taking care of your own food supply and um, good for you connecting with nature, good for your psychology, right? Interacting with the bees and they get to have their little society thing. And you have honey, which is very healthy. Um, honey is incredible for, you know, if you've got a cold, you can, honey often can, can be very good in kind of mi mysterious ways. But um, yeah, honey can be quite medicinal. Um, apart from being full of uh, sugar, but it's more of a, a, a less processed type of sugar, as far as I understand it. So healthy for you, and there's other stuff in there, like other good juju for you. But you know, of course, sculling honey might not be the healthiest thing to do, even if uh, you might want to. Um, so, but in terms of yeah, ahimsa, I think there's nothing wrong with having animals doing things under our you know, lordship, so to speak, as humans. Um, you know, um, for all we know, there's beings who are doing that to us. We don't know, you know. Maybe there's some uh, angels and demons uh, in some other dimension we can't even see having, you know, little political tussles and, you know, um, or maybe, you know, the universe is kind of like a gardener and we're kind of, you know, just easy, you know, who knows? Uh, I don't have evidence for this, um, but just saying... Uh, and or, or even in, you know, um, 
we're all subject to power. We all pay taxes, you know. Um, and we might say, I mean, that I think, you know, maybe that's not the best analogy because I think we really uh, um, shouldn't really be subject so much to these powers. It should be you can do whatever you want so long as you're not hurting others. If you are, then on behalf of those others, the state is going to come in and stop you, but not on the state's own behalf, on the behalf of others. Um, and it needs to be very restricted. But um, but yeah, but I guess I could say for those who believe the state does have that right, well, okay, then by I wouldn't really kind of agree with that too much. But then it would be a kind of similar thing to think that you could have a benevolent power over other creatures. Like, yeah, the bees are here. I put them here. That's how it is, you know. Um, but uh, so for whatever reason, chickens, bees, that's cool. Cows. Now, the ahimsa of... Um, so, okay, so I sorry, I talked about um, the uh, conventional system of dairy, but um, I want to read for you um, something uh, I was just reading about um, an article I saw um, about um, a system of uh, dairy manufacture where you don't need to be taking the cows away so from their... Um, from the, the calves, the calves away from the, the cows, um, until you can, month, instead of a few days, you can have them there for six to nine months, you know, like until they're big and strong and kind of becoming independent and ready to move off. Um, so I'm going to, I've decided I'm going to read directly. There's a few quotes here from this. I'm going to tell you the name of the article and the author, but um, I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, and it seems like, it shows the potential for the dairy industry does not need to be written off. And that should be good news for vegans, um, ironically, because it means it's much more achievable to bring justice for these animals. Because otherwise it was going to be a big battle, very hard to get to just shut down dairy. But if it's not shut down dairy, if it's transition dairy to an ethical model, and that ethical model does exist, um, let me know what you think, um, then that's actually much more achievable. So that should be good news, to, even to vegans. Um, and so, yeah, so let's read the details here. Um, see if I can read this. Uh, oh, okay. Can I make that bigger? Yes. Okay. So it mentions, uh, so it's the site is Ethical Consumer. Ethical Consumer. Um and the title of the article is Ethical Dairy Farming. Uh, the author, Anna Clayton, written 17th of February, 2020. All right, thanks, Anna. Um, so talking about, a f you know, on the fringes of the dairy sector can be found models of small-scale dairy farming that work better for animals and the landscapes they roam. Now, it says small-scale, but I don't see any reason why this couldn't be scaled up. Um, so... It talks about the Ahimsa. This is where I was reminded of this word serendipitously. Ahimsa Dairy Foundation, and then another one, um, Calf at Foot. Okay, so um, basically, this uh, the the first one, Ahimsa. So they um, it's a dairy farm where they are, they do not slaughter the the cows at all. So the idea of you know Ahimsa, nonviolence. Um, so basically, uh, yeah, they say, fundamentally the team believe that it is wrong to take a cow's milk and be sustained by this miracle food and then kill her when she becomes less productive. 
She deserves a happy old age, chewing the cud with her friends and relations in the fields, in gratitude for all she has given. Amen. So the idea is they don't kill the cow, they just let the, the cow. And I think about this what, in context of what we've been saying. The cow's enriching the soil, so that's actually an investment in the soil. Yeah, the cow's eating some of the grass, but that's benefiting the soil, so you get more grass in the future. Good for the cow, good for you. Um, and, of course, yeah, you can give that beautiful gift of not needing to kill the cow. Now, as I've said, I'm not, um, in principle, against killing cows, but I do get a nice, beautiful feeling thinking about how that cow doesn't need to be killed um, and that th we can have choices. And as individuals, as humanity, we can be united um, while uh, united in our respect for diversity and allowing, um, not as some buzzword, you know, um, uh, to get, you know, virtue signaling or brownie points, but as a real thing of, yeah, allowing um, different approaches to work in harmony. So... Some people can have dairy and then maybe slaughter cows, others, uh, but do it in a humane way. Others will be drawn to just letting them live out their their lives, you know. So, um, and yeah, okay. So let's see. Uh, there's a quote here from uh, Ahimsa Dairy Farm. At a time when fossil fuels are destroying the world and leading to catastrophic climate change, it makes no sense to kill bull calves in their thousands. Their strength and muscle can be employed to work the land as they did for centuries, even in Britain, before the advent of the Industrial Revolution and the tractor. Oxen work in harmony with nature, and their hooves do not damage the precious soil on uh, as heavy machinery does. Their dung and urine is also a vital fertilizer for the earth, uh, feeding billions of microorganisms and worms and creating healthy pasture, which acts as an important carbon sink. So the idea there, um, and, and they say here, um, yes, they, they, the calves stay with their mothers um, and the herd for at least six months until they become big and strong. Um, so at the moment, they have 35 milking cows calves and oxen, oxen being male cows who have had their testicles chopped off, yikes, um, which makes them able to be more, as I understand it, um, that's not very ahimsa of you, <laughs> um, very uh, more, uh, like less aggressive because less t testosterone. So instead of trying to kill the other males or whatever or dominate or um, they, are, they can be work animals and kind of just chill, kind of like eunuchs of the cow world. Um, and so, yeah, so the milking cows are mainly milked by hand and only visit the bull every two to four years. They have one bull. They do not have yearly pregnancies as in conventional dairies. So conventional dairies, they're pregnant for like 10 months or something and then they let, let them chill for like 60 days or something and then they get them pregnant again and often through you know artificial insemination. So it's not even, you're not even getting... Uh, getting the sex, you know, so, you know, hard times. Um, uh, so, whereas this um, non-conventional dairy, it seems like they are able to make, to have, um, you know, every two to four years, the, the cows are becoming pregnant with a, a bull, real bull. They're having this experience, which the older ancestors have had. Um, and 
they are able to stay with their calves while their calves are growing, you know, up until, and, you know, at, um, I think at like 13 months or something, a lot um, in uh, like, or something around, like around a year, cows, um, the, the calves are able to become pregnant. So it's much sooner than humans. The humans have a very, very slow developmental period um, for, um, for animals. It's like, I think it's the longest there is. Like horses can run within five minutes or something. So cows can be pregnant, I think, within a, like a year or maybe a little bit more. Um, and so uh, for six to nine months um, or so, these two dairies are saying they'll have the, you know, the calves growing up with their mum and then in the herd, and then they'll be moved off to wherever they're going. Um, so, you know, you might say that's not perfect still, but hey, could if we could transition factory farming towards this, would that not be a hell of a lot better? And should we maybe not just try to get that locked in and then we can address whether some people think we should shut this down totally or not, you know? At least this would be, and I don't think that will be successful, but um, surely this is where we should be uniting if we really care about, you know, um, our own health, ahimsa, and the, the well-being of these uh, creatures. Um, and also, uh, I guess, you know, ecology, um, like these cows are living on the land. So again, um, if you can have cows on the land, it can enrich the, the land. Um, and instead of having to, the farmer needs to make money, support their family or whatever, instead of growing corn or, you know, GMO, soy or whatever it is, um, with pesticides and the traditional thing, if there are these other options of, yeah, you can have cows for meat or cows, even if you don't want to be killing cows, you can have cows for dairy. You don't need to separate the mums, you know, um, from the babies. And you can make money while improving the soils, um, sequestering carbon, um, enriching the soils. Uh, and um, humans get more food, food shortages. People keep talking about politicians. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hey, uh, food is precious. We need to be, if we lose our food supply, then people get much more barbaric. And so a lot rests upon keeping the foundation sturdy and, um, and uh, yeah, productive. So, um, so that's one thing. I thought that was really cool, you know, like more power to them. That's uh, really good work, it seems. Um, now, let's see what else. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, okay. So then calf at foot, the other dairy. Um, so they're saying, you know, they sell raw milk from the farm gate, offer deliveries via an online shop. So, um, you know, it seems uh, it's small scale, but we could have a lot of small scale people doing this or I don't see why not bigger ones. Um, but let's see, another quote I want to just uh, mention here, which was quite good and interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. So they, here we go. All right. Um, uh, our cows are moved across fields swiftly as a bunch, similar to how wild herds of herbivores move to protect themselves from natural predators. This grazing rhythm helps to create and maintain a soil carbon sponge. Okay. Under hoof, the soil is healthy, fertile, and rich in organic matter, leguminous plants, grasses, and herbs. Draw down carbon, locking it into the soil to feed the plant roots. The resulting deeper tap roots not only mine the soil, bringing trace elements and minerals to the surface to enrich our food with micronutrients, 
but are key uh, for breaking up compacted soils. This allows rainwater to penetrate deep into the ground and prevents runoff, building resilience to drought and flooding. Um, populations of beneficial bacteria, fungi, wildflowers, seeds, and invertebrates bloom. This banquet brings insect-loving songbirds and seed-loving finches. Nectar and pollinators abound, followed by small mammals, amphibians, grass snakes, and raptors. Um, this is a form of regenerative agriculture. So that sounds all right, you know, and should we just shut, totally shut down dairy or should we maybe transition to, to this? So I'd say vegetarians who want to have dairy, if they could put their money uh, into this sort of stuff, then that could be, um, seems totally reasonable on all those counts, health, ahimsa, ecology. Now, omnivores, all right. So um, meat, um, red meat does not, as far as I can tell, after looking into this quite a bit, red meat does not cause um, health problems. It's not unhealthy. It's actually healthy, very healthy. If it's coming from a factory farm, maybe it's not healthy, but um, it's very high in protein um, and um, uh, fats. And I think the protein from meat is more bioavailable than from um, plants. So even the, if it's kale's got more protein or something or whatever it is, like, the same amount of protein in, you know, kale and beef. If you eat the beef, you will end up having more protein because it's more bioavailable. Um, it seems like our ancestors potentially were eating more of that um, um, by, you know, our hunting, the, the way we were hunters and gatherers. Um, there what probably wasn't a lot of, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know, but it seems like that is a fact. Um, so now, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of um, minerals and vitamins in meat, you know, red meat, um, even, you know, pork and uh, chicken um, or fish. Okay, pescatarians. I missed pescatarians. Before we talk about omnivores. Um, yeah, so uh, just pescatarians, you have to stop pretending you're vegetarians. Call yourself what you are. Um, don't lie to us. No, um, you're all right. Um, so, yeah, I think... One thing for health, just be careful getting good quality fish, you know, uh, and whatever you're eating, um, because uh, there's a lot of pollutants in the ocean these days. Um, also, uh, in terms of uh, himsa and you know being good to the animals, in terms of minimizing suffering, um, yeah, fish are less conscious creatures it seems than a lot of the bigger animals. So fair enough. Um, uh, just try to make sure it's not part of this, you know, industrial agri uh, industrial fishing system. Um, an interesting thing is mussels. I think I think it's mussels and um, certain kinds of uh, creatures. Like I think it's just mussels and maybe something similar. They are um, they're so primitive. They're more primitive than plants than a lot of plants. And so the, even if you're um, vegetarian and you don't eat any animals you could consider being a kind of quasi-pescatarian where you just eat for protein because uh, um, so long as they're not, you know, polluted or something, uh, you know, there's a, they've got protein and fats and a lot of healthy stuff um, in uh, muscles. And um, I think it's just like when you touch it, it closes. I think it's like a trigger mechanism. They've got no central nervous system. Neither does a plant though, surely. But I, I think I've heard that... Um, there is 
good evidence that um, they are like th- there's less of a case for me. Um, there's a good case that they are less conscious than plants. That's another thing actually with plants for vegetarians and vegans. Um, the uh, plants are more conscious than we realized. So in terms of death, like you're eating all these plants, you know, you're 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 killing the plants and you're eating them, right? Um, fruit, okay, you're not killing the tree and it's kind of giving it to you. Take it, eat it, poop out the seeds over there so I can spread my progeny of baby trees. You know, they want you to do it, so that's a bit different, maybe. But um, but like uh, with you know, you're eating kale or you know, and then the plant dies. Um. Or, and, you know, sure, I guess they want us to eat them to some extent so that we can grow them and spread them, perhaps. But um, here's some interesting stuff. Uh, so plants, that when, when, they are, when a little bug starts to eat the leaves of a plant, it, the plant produces um, a chemicals which are, act as an, a warning. They, they, do, they produce chemicals which um, make them taste bad, um, uh, like caffeine, I think is one of these, where... So the bugs will um, get messed up, I think, from taste, but also um, possibly will like toxins, nerve toxins and things, which will mess with the bugs. So the bugs like will stop eating them. And so they might eat all of a few leaves, but then now the plants produce this chemical throughout it. And so the, the bug stops eating and moves on to the next one. But the next plant has received that warning signal from the first plant, and it's already started to produce the similar stuff. And so that bug can eat some of them, but then it's going to be a similar thing. And so... Pretty soon, it doesn't want to touch any of these plants. It has to go off to a different area. So this is the defense mechanism. Plants, because plants can't move. The only way they can protect themselves is through chemistry. And so they alter their chemistry to deter predators um, so that they can keep growing, you know. I tried to grow cabbage in my granny's back garden, like, last year, and uh, freaking slugs just ate almost everything. Uh, you know, I managed to have a little bit. We got, I think, um, we had a meal together. Bacon and cabbage, old school, Irish style. But... Um, it's delicious but uh yeah so you know the the bugs just will eat go rampant um so but plants when especially when the soil is healthy plants um, are very able to protect themselves a lot of the need for pesticides nowadays um apparently is that the soils are depleted but when people have regenerative agriculture or korean natural farming these sorts of approaches the soils when they become so healthy um the plants are much sturdier and they can produce excuse me, they can produce their own um, pesticides, you know, natural ones, which aren't going to be bad for us. Um, now, so, but plants are doing that. So that shows a certain level of intelligence, right? Um, and plants will also trade, They, you know, they take in, f- through photosynthesis, they take in sunlight and they um, basically turn it into, uh, and they take in carbon dioxide, breathing that in and breathing out oxygen for us. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, plants. Very good of you. Um and through some magic of, you know, wishy-wash, bombaloo, something, abracadabra, um, they create, uh, I think, sugar, um, sugars. Well, they're ba- basically made, they use carbon, they build themselves out of carbon, but I think they can also produce sugars. Um, hence, you know, fruit, it's like sugar. But I think they, they use this and they trade the sugar with um, uh, mycelium and fungi under the earth. And so they trade it, they give, I don't know if it's like, hey, give me this, I give you that, or, or if it's just like a kind of automatic process, or, but it kind of seems conscious, I don't know. But they, they trade the sugar, and the, the fungi use that to you know, propagate themselves and spread, and they can in turn mine rocks. So there's all the rocks and under the soil. The fungi can kind of 
through various means, process them and extract their minerals and send them up to the plants. And the plants use them to, you know, for their own health. And so there's this exchange of um, the, between the plants and the fungi, which is pretty crazy. Also, plants send resources. They've done a thing where they put, um, some scientists put, uh, I think, a radioactive isotope or isotopes in um, one plant somehow, something like this. And then they were able to monitor with a Geiger counter, I think, um, where it went. And they found that plants share resources even between species. And so, um, and often they share it with the weakest link. They try to keep, support the weakest link in the area. And it seems that the idea is potentially that they are not just perceiving themselves as one separate entity, maybe as humans might, less enlightened humans, but that, oh, we're all the forest. If the forest is not good, then I'm not good. Um, if the forest is good, I'm good. You know, like trying to support themselves and their neighbors, um, which is pretty crazy, pretty interesting. Um, and another thing, now this is kind of the craziest evidence for plant intelligence, is that... Um, uh, vegans like, don't tell me, I don't want to know. Where's that devil? Um, so, is uh, they've played. So, if if plants get chomped on, yeah, they create some chemical, um, which you know, uh, like a defense chemical. Um, so, yeah, they chemicals to protect themselves, and also chemicals which warn others of like, hey, watch out, lads, here come, you know, is some bug coming to eat us. Um, now. Even they've even they've done studies where they played plants the sound a recording of plants being eaten. It wasn't a plant being eaten. There was no real plant being eaten and releasing a warning signal to the others. They played and the plant no plants in here were being eaten. None of them were touched. They played a recording of plants being chewed and eaten, and the plants created the warning signal and started to prepare for an attack. So that sure seems like they're intelligent. So that's pretty strange, you know. Um, anyway, point being, there's a, some argument to be made that even plants are conscious entities. And again, I, I think this makes sense for other reasons, you know, myst, you know mysticism or whatever, or non-duality and everything being consciousness. But, but, um, so, but the, idea, the idea that they are not just like a rock's consciousness, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm just here being a rock, you know, not like thinking, but it's just a space of rockness, you know. There's some vague... Not maybe like the same consciousness we have, but some sort of consciousness, some sort of internal experience of being a rock. Um, maybe plants are a bit more than that. Maybe they're actually a bit more like little characters, you know. And then if we're eating them, you know, well, they got to live and then they die. We get to live, then we die. And then the earth eats us, you know. We go back, return, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, return to the soil, feeding the soil. Um, or in nature... You might get eaten by an actual animal. People still get eaten by animals, right? We were eaten by animals for a long time. And um, so, you know, um, life eats life. And that's how it works. Uh, or uh, uh, what did Joe Rogan say? is like the green stuff grows and then small st um, uh, dumb stuff eats the green stuff and then... Um, mean stuff eats the dumb stuff, or something like that. That's one way to look at it. But um, but the, but there's a an ecosystem and a cycle of energy moving around. And meanwhile, I think it's all just bodies and the consciousness, which is incarnating into them. The soul, the life, the spirit is not being eaten. It's just going in and out of forms, experiencing uh, these virtual realities called lifetimes. Um, so, okay, so 
um, that's something to prefer about for vegans and vegetarians being aware of. You know, if you're criticizing people for eating, like potential, you know, taking life, that's another factor there, right? Again, I'm not saying this is just the factors to be aware of. Okay, omnivores. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and pescatarians. So ecologically also, of course, like you want to try be aware of the um, extreme pressures on the oceans and trying to eat in alignment with that, I guess. So, okay, so that's pescatarians finished. Omnivores, um, meat, red meat, all these meats, they can be, as far as I understand, they are healthy for you if they are from, um, they're not from the factory farming system. They are from a more natural system. So I think... It seems like pork is not as healthy as red meat or chicken. Um, I might be wrong about that, but I think, you know, that might be the case. Um, and uh, some of the healthiest stuff is organ meats. Like liver is actually the most nutrient-dense food in the world, I think. Um, by the way, if you're vegan, watercress is very good for you. That's, I believe, the most nutrient-dense plant food, watercress. And... Um, you can put it in your green smoothies and it's really amazing. Um, like you don't taste it much, but it's full of like all these um, vitamins and minerals. They used to call it poor man's bread because people who couldn't afford bread could go to the side of the stream where it grows abundantly um, and just pick some of it and chomp on it and maybe keep themselves going. Um, so that's something you could do. But in terms of um, including animal foods, then liver is the most nutrient dense and uh, it's full of all sorts of good stuff. Um, and it's interesting that it's processing all the toxins and bad stuff for us. And then somehow, you know, it is the healthiest part. That's almost like a metaphor or something. Transforming pain and you will be the, the most, the furthest from pain. Um, alchemy. Um, so, um, but other organ meats like hearts and kidneys and stuff, they're all very healthy. And I believe healthier than the muscle, which we eat these days, you know, the meat. Um, and... Uh, um, traditional cultures they all they eat all the organs um and we're like but that's actually very healthy and um so and you know also waste not want not using if you're killing these animals using all of them kind of makes sense doesn't it um and so i think that's one thing we shouldn't be wasting organs and stuff if we are killing these animals ideally they've been raised in um, happy settings and then those organs can either be sold off for people to eat them if people want to or else like hardened soil are doing, turning them into um, pills, like nutrients, you know, supplements. Or, you know, turn them into what? Cat food or whatever, you know, other animals that want to eat animals. And um, so that's something I think we can do if we're, in terms of our karma, if we're killing these animals, then to make sure we're not wasting any of it. Um, bones can be boiled and turned into bone broth, which is delicious um, and very, very healthy. So it's like, um, the bone marrow in there and you know the, there's all kinds of stuff in the bones where you boil it in water um, like one thing you can do is say you roast a chicken and then after you've eaten the chicken all the meat from it you boil the bones with um, garlic and onion and uh, my grandma did this and uh, and you strain that and it's this creamy delicious soup so you could have just thrown it out but now you're getting this very healthy um, uh, meal um, out of so you're actually properly kind of appreciating the gift of this body um, I think it's important to be to remember if you're eating meat to to at least just put a little bit of effort into being aware of the the gift of that. Um, and I guess it, it could be the same said the same could be said for plants and things. But I think there is something 
for these more conscious creatures because it's getting a bit closer to say our level of consciousness where we know like you know we wouldn't eat another person that would be absolutely evil right um so when these animals are getting a bit more conscious it starts to get where some people would say no they are at that level and others say no no they're not at that level look i can do this and the cow doesn't know what i'm doing at all they're not at our level so you can have a conversation about it but it's definitely getting closer and so i think like when i eat meat i will say thank you for the gift of your life and body um or thank you for the gift of your body um but uh and you know that's just my thing you know whatever <laughs> you don't need to do that but um it's the idea of um just being a saying like from my point of view it's like i i'm not eating your soul like you 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 know however i did your life ended so that this food you could be, your body could be turned into food your your mortal clothes you know um were stripped from you and so that that was the end of your experience here um possibly it involved suffering um definitely involve it involves the the limiting of your opportunity in this dimension so i feel drawn to express a gratitude and a humility to that um but that's just me but i think you don't need to say you know grace or you know or some sort of um uh mantra or whatever to, to express rec um appreciation but just to be appreciative you know and to think about you know where it comes from and you know yeah it's good um makes you happier too being aware ironically because you it's kind of like wow yeah I'm lucky to be alive, <laughs> to be in this position, you know. Um, now, so health, uh, yeah, I think in general, I think if someone wanted to be healthy, it's like, like I'm having health problems. I'm Look, I'm not here to give health advice. I don't know. I think everyone's situation is a bit different. But in general, I think the advice is eat meat, vegetables, and fruit, some grains if you want, but you could just drop, skip them if you want. Meat, like um, vegetables and um, fruits, um, easy on the sugar and, um, try to get a good variety, fresh stuff and organic, um, happy animals, which are not from factory farms. Um, and it's pretty hard to go wrong with that. I think like you're, you're going to get healthy. Um, as far as I understand the science of it. Um, okay. So that's the health of omnivores. Um, uh, ahimsa. Yes. Like we've kind of gone through that a bit already. Uh, so, that I think it's fair enough for these animals. Um, you know, if they can have a happy, dignified life and then it ends, then that's better than not having any life, I think. And, um, and they're, by having that experience, they enrich the soils um, and they also um, uh, enrich humanity and allow us to live and have that food supply, a very nutritious food. And then that allows us potentially to create art, you know, to, to understand the universe, even you know, on a very practical level, Mother Nature maybe wants us to get advanced enough and at the same time spiritually aware enough where we can be guardians of the planet and perhaps protect it from freaking asteroids which come every 12,000 years or something and um, reset the clock. So, you know, not saying uh, just, just an aside sort of thing here. Um, there are good, there's a lot of good that humanity can do, you know, and um, I think... You know, almost everyone I know is a great person. What about you? What percentage of people that you know do you do you like, or do you think are good? Maybe troubled, some of them, 
but good at their core, you know? Um, and, uh, or even just not at their core, just, you know, good people, to, you know, they, they're either okay or good, you know? Um, I think that's the vast majority. Um, and so, you know, and that's humanity. That's, that's us, you know? So sometimes it gets abstract. Look at these bad things. But a lot of that's people in situations that we don't quite understand, you know, very, very privileged. And so they've got certain baggage or perceptions, very, very di unprivileged. Um, and so they've got certain baggage and perceptions based on that, you know? Um, so yes. Um, all right. Uh, now, so omnivoriany, uh, omnivoranity, um, omnivorous living. Um, so also ecology. Yeah. Like, uh, so in, in, enriching the soils um, through, you know, cattle, that's one thing, and chickens and, you know, et cetera. Um, also, um, the, there's a lot of grassland. I think maybe two-thirds of the Earth's surface is not farmable, I think. Um, I think it's two-thirds, two yeah, of the land. Um, ha, um, and I think, however, we could put cows there. Of course, some of it is desert, so I'm not quite sure what the number is, but um, but there's a huge area, either a third or two thirds of all the land, we could put cows on. It as um, we couldn't grow like vegetables; it's not fertile enough, and maybe not even growing crops like wheat um, due to weather or whatever. But we could have this grass able to grow, and then cows can eat the grass. They can process it through their you know several stomachs or whatever, um, you know, poop it out, and then. Uh, you know, they're enriching the soil there and they're um, sequestering carbon also. Um, so, but, and potentially we can be uh, maybe uh, using them for dairy or beef um, or leather or whatever. So these are ways to uplift humanity, providing the basics. Remember, a lot of humanity still doesn't have the basics taken care of. Um, and while treating them nobly and di with dignity, or even we just let them roam around, you know, um, and just improve the source. Um, but it would kind of seem to make sense to maybe do a bit of both to fund it, you know, make it sustainable as a an enterprise. But so that's just another thing to mention, apart from the using agriculture itself, um, uh, and you know, the farm improving farmland soil. Um, what else? All right, so eating very intelligent beings. Now this is. So, okay, well, first, carnivore diet. Um, I mean, if you're eating, it's it costs, I think it's pretty expensive to be a, have the carnivore diet where you're just eating meat. Um, uh, but if you want to do that, um, I think, sure, you know, if you're getting animals that are from these ethically sourced places, which I believe exist, then, um, yeah, you can do that. And especially if you're eating organ meats and stuff, so, you know, you're making the most of the animals. Um, if you can be healthy and if you can be contributing to um, farms where they're raising animals fairly and they get a good life and a dignified death and with minimum suffering, then cool. And ecologically, these farms, you know, um, if they are doing using a regenerative agriculture approach, then that's good. You're, you're enhancing the earth. The earth's happy you're doing it. So why not? Um, now, in terms of health, uh, a lot of people have reported a lot of benefits from the carnivore diet. Like um, there's people with autoimmune disorders who say that 
you know, they've totally cleared up. So potentially they had some sort of allergic reaction to vegetables and things. Um, others, you know, report all kinds of things like, you know, benefits. Um, however, it's, I think it's still not really clear what the case is there. Um, and I don't really know enough about it to comment, but, um, yeah. Um, so, but if you're interested, yeah, like that, that doctor, what is his name? Um, he, the heart and soil guy, doctor. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, you could look into his kind of work and, um, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you go carnivore diet, Aubrey Marcus podcast. Aubrey Marcus had a good podcast with this fellow. Um, uh, as did Joe Rogan. Um, anyway, so, um, okay. So that's all I can really say about that. Um, now, uh, eating really intelligent animals. So say eating whales, cetaceans, whales and dolphins. And, um, personally, I would think even if it's your tradition, your kind of traditional culture, look, um, ideally we shouldn't be doing that because I think these beings are too intelligent, but then octopi, octopuses are also extremely intelligent, it seems. And we, people eat, I haven't eaten them, but, um, people eat them, um, you know, uh, so I guess it's a tricky one or like, you know, eating monkeys, like bush meat, like people eating monkeys in places where they're so poor, they've got no options. Um, in Africa, there's certain places where people are in terrible straits, dire straits and they're eating these creatures. Um, so that just seems a bit wrong to me. Um, it just seems like in terms of the Ahimsa, they are too aware. Um, and, uh, so it's you can't really do it. There's a certain threshold of awareness which is crossed there, um, where it's just too much suffering. Um, now you could argue that about like um, cows, etc. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. You might be right there with that. But I would kind of feel that probably they're not quite at that level, cows. But I might be wrong. Definitely, they might actually be conscious enough where it's like we should just be milking them or nothing. Um, but anyway, at least I think the really important point here is we can't expect people to stop eating them overnight. And so we need to rally together and with a spirit of unity and understanding and non-judgment and just be honest and talk about things and have this hopeful message. People like hope. People don't like doom, right? And um, try to say, look, we can, do, we can just make these shifts, shift egg production, milk production, beef production, make it more... Um, uh, better for our health, the ahimsa, um, and uh, the ecology. So let's do that. And then we can talk about, you know, we can maybe do studies, figure out how, exactly how intelligent are these animals and what are the limits? Why can't we eat people, humans, but we, are, we can eat, you know, cows or, um, or dolphins potentially in certain countries or whatever. Um, so another thing to mention with uh, meat is hunting. Now, um, hunting might sound like the worst of all things. Like, oh, why do you want to go kill these animals? What are you, crazy? But um, look, if you're hunting for trophies, like, yeah, I killed this lion, look at me. Then all right, I can't really relate with that much. I guess, you know, on some level you want to, there's some sort of enjoyment and it feels like an adventure and you're connecting with your ancestors who maybe killed big animals to protect the, the local people um, or to show their skill. Okay. But, you know, I don't really resonate with that. And I think we'd probably be better off without trophy hunting. Um, but um, hunting for food actually, I think, is a, 
pretty good idea. I don't think everyone can do it, but because um, there's probably not enough animals for this. Um, but actually, it's counterintuitive, but it's actually probably the most ethical way to get meat. So if you are going to eat meat, if you go hunting yourself, you're putting in the work, you're building in, you're earning your meat, right? And you're, you're going to have to suffer a lot to get it. Um, and it's hard work. And you hunters, almost all of them, they say, um, all of them that I've heard, they're all very humble people um, who, uh, and maybe these are just the ones going on podcasts, but it, they say, you know, the hunting community is actually very, in general, very ecologic, ecologically aware, they care about nature and preserving it. They love the animals or they respect the animals, but they just say, we are animals too. And we are part of this system and we eat, you know, and, um, and so they will, but they will be grateful for the, the, their kills. They kill, so they go hunting and they kill a deer with bow hunting. Some people kill them with bows or with um, a rifle. Either way, you should do what you are competent at, right? So if you're doing this, you need to make sure you can kill them with minimum um, suffering. So just, there's a noise, the deer runs off, like what's, what's going on? And then falls over and it's been shot in the heart and it didn't, you know, oh, it's over, it's all over. So that's, now, that's a very short period of suffering um, if you can do it like that. Compared, and that animal lived its whole life in the wild, was able to mate or, you know, meet other you know, of its species and explore no limits, no humans telling what to do. It can go anywhere. Um, and then the last moment of its life and it's dead. Now, naturally, the way the, these animals don't live that long, naturally, the way deer and elk and, you know, m moose and whatever, um, the way they normally die is starvation um, from having no food, often in winter, or starving, uh, sorry, uh, freezing to death in winter, um, or being eaten alive by wolves or bears. And so humans kill and then we eat them. Um, a lot of the natural predators, they eat them alive, sometimes from, you know, I mean, I won't tell you where they start, but, you know, um, sometimes it's pretty, uh, pretty rough. And it seems like the animals go into some sort of shock state where they're kind of not really there. Or maybe the some mystics have said like you know there's a kind of a the consciousness realizes its identity with the universe and it's not it kind of goes oh i'm not this little thing as it's watching the thing get eaten um i don't know but um you would hope there's some sort of um you know uh yeah way out of that suffering there because um but you know you see you know animals um it seems pretty rough the way a lot of animals die when humans kill them comparative compared to that you know that's actually if you're a deer in the wild, the, probably the best way, the easiest death you could have is probably from a human just shooting you. Um, so now, and then that food, very, very healthy food. These animals in, in the wild eating wild stuff all its life. And so that, um, you know, can go and feed the human and their family and keep them um, happy and healthy, right? So that's a, a legacy this animal can have. Um, uh, and um, the way they do it in the United States is... Uh, they have hunting tags. So, you know, you can't just hunt anything. There's certain things. Yeah, you can hunt these, you can hunt that, you know. Um, but this thing, oh, there's not many of these things. We're not allowed to hunt them, you know. Um, and uh, through, so to get, to be able to get a tag, a hunting tag where you can go and hunt something in this area, you need to pay money, right? And so you pay for that and then you can go and hunt it. Um, 
and that the money from the hunting tag goes toward um, uh, preservation of nature. And that's how they fund the wildlife protection services. Something like 80% of the funding for their national parks comes from hunting. Um, for, and that's from the tags, something huge like that. I'm not sure exactly. But it comes from the hunting tags, like the p license basically to hunt this, hunt one buck or whatever it is um, this season um, in this area. And uh, also from those taxes on hunting gear, like rifles, bows, and you know um, clothing, that kind of stuff. So there's taxes on it where that the proceeds of that also goes towards wildlife preservation. So that seems like a part of the puzzle where probably a lot of people won't have the interest, the ability, or the money to go out, or the time to go out and um, do hunting uh, like this. But for those that do... Um, you know, uh, it's a it's taking off some some pressure away from the um, burdened soils of our agricultural system, um, and uh, b it's uh, you know kind of um, it's supporting financially, you know, getting the money for this very important work of preserving natural areas, and three um, <laughs> c um, it's uh, uh, kind of inculcating and um, engendering cultivating, developing this um, sense of connection with nature among humans, which is something we've really lost to a large extent, and it's not—it's a big problem where people go, oh, who cares about these things? It doesn't matter because we don't really feel that we are part of it. Um, you just go to the supermarket and you go, oh, there's like a slab of red stuff covered in plastic, and you just go and, you know, tap your card, and now you have it, and, you know, and you go and cook it, whereas a hunter, they're eating their steak or whatever, and they're remembering where they were and what they went through to get it and um it's, it's just a bit more of a probably a, a grateful experience I, I would think but um but some people might think hunting is totally wrong hey fair enough you know you can have that perspective i'm not saying you're wrong but i'm saying this is my perspective um and many people's perspective and uh, yeah again the important thing is that we talk about these things and we're not afraid to be exposed to different ideas because either you know we learn or um you see what other people think, and so you can formulate what you want to say. How oh, if someone says that, well, that Jamie guy he said that thing, I totally disagree. All right, what if someone says that to me, but I don't know what to say back? Hmm. So you, even if you don't agree with me, this might allow you to think. Okay, some people think this way. How can I show them that that's not true? And it helps you formulate your own ideas. Next time you meet someone who's saying something similar, you can kind of engage them and try to help them see what what you think is more accurate. So. But that said, I would say um, hunting, I think, uh, for food, um, when done right in a proper system, it could be a, a, you know, a healthy part of the food system going forward. But it probably it would be a small percentage of the, the people doing it, probably. Um, now, and of course, you know, within the parameters of maintaining the ecology, right? Um, and if you do it right, it can enhance the ecology. Oh, another thing, uh, similar in Africa, there's places where due to poachers going in and shooting elephants for their tusks so they can send it some some soup that's meant to give you erections or something, um, you know. And there's all these um, you know people killing animals for their, um, their hides and all, all kinds of stuff. There's all kind of endangered animals being killed in Africa. Um, and there was I think it was a Louis Theroux documentary where it went talking to people who. They have set up wildlife parks, but they're hunting reserves where they're, they're called um, toll fence operations, high fence operations or something, where 
you have these huge areas, like a big safari area, and there are these animals in there. There's lions, there's elephants, there's all kinds of stuff. And people go in there who want to hunt from like, rich people from Western countries or something. And they go there and they can hunt an animal and kill it. And they pay a lot for that, to be able to do that. And then, but because of the pro, it, it, all that money that's coming from these things, the parks are able to afford rangers with proper guns and proper salaries who aren't going to get bought off by the local crime syndicate who want to go poach some animals to sell them to Asia or whatever. And so it's like you've got this, you're allowing people to come and kill elephants and things. I, I, elephants, I think, I think lions. Um, so animals like this where they're not doing it for food, um, it's trophy hunting. And yet this apparently is um, ca causing an increase in the population of these endangered animals because otherwise they're just being picked off. And so the humans have said, all right, we're going to allow a small number of people to come in and pick one off here, one off there. And by doing this, with all that money, we're able to set a perimeter and maintain this area where most of the animals, the, the animal population as a whole is increasing because we are just controlling the number of people who are coming in and taking them. Um, um, whereas if you don't do that, you're like, well, that's wrong. We shouldn't do it. And then maybe all the animals go extinct because po poachers just come in. So these things are messy, but that's just something to mention as... I mean, I don't really know what the solution there is, but maybe addressing the corruption in these governments and re-establishing the rule of law might be a, a start. And I guess the start of that would be expanding, spreading consciousness, it, starting with yourself um, and myself. So, all right. Um, now, the role of the dice. No, the role of tradition. Okay, so with all this stuff about the ethics of eating and what's right and what's wrong, um, we need to be aware that um, people have their traditions and there's something beautiful and sacred in that. Like, you know, the, the ways of living that have been passed down by your ancestors. And so if, um, if people are vegan or vegetarian and if they're kind of like evangelical and they want people to stop eating meat, etc., I think it's very important to be aware that there's a large amount of people who are never going to do that. And you have to accept that because it's their tradition. They, oh, in my religion, we eat this thing. Or, oh, in my culture, we eat this on, you know, um, at the beginning of uh, spring. We eat this special, you know, this soup made from some animal, you know. And from my point of view, again, like I think these consciousness is immortal. It's just the fabric of the universe is life. It's aware, it's living. Um, so I don't want to be killed, um, you know, prematurely. And uh, I don't want to be killed at all. But I mean, I suppose I have to die at some point. But, um, uh, but you know, so I enjoy my opportunities here. And so I obviously understand that, um, you know, animals want to live. Um but I think, yeah, it's slightly different. Of, uh, I don't see, um, like, if, if someone's eat, eating animals, it's uh, I, I see it's not like an extinction of that soul, right? However, I guess you could say a similar thing about humans. Hey, I'm eating Jamie, but, you know, uh, he, you know, his soul is fine. I'm just eating his body. <laughs> it's like I'm eating his shirt. What's the big deal? Um, yeah, so I guess that's a bit interesting. But um, nonetheless, I think... If an animal was eating me, all right. If you got me, you got me. Fair enough. 
if a human was eating me, I go, ah, you should know better, pal. Your your consciousness should be, you know, you're too conscious for that. That that takes some uh, significant degree of imbalance and um, fighting with your nature of being a, a more elevated awareness or point of consciousness. So that's why you shouldn't eat me, please. Let me know in the comments if you want to eat me. Um, please don't. Okay, so, but... Um, but say for cultural reasons, traditions, people um, have their ways of eating. And I think if it is really cruel, then we should probably, we should change those traditions. Um, if it's unhealthy for them, well, that's their choice, you know. Um, but if it's violating the ahimsa kind of thing of, you know, if it's kind of um, suffer, suffering, causing suffering, um, needless suffering, then you know, like foie gras or whatever, or you're force-feeding ducks or whatever it is, force-feeding geese um, food or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, but it makes it so delicious. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Maybe these things, I don't know. Maybe they should be changed. Um, uh, or ecologically, if there's certain things where it's the tradition, but it's not good. The thing is, that's probably unlikely because in general, traditions are long-term things, so they're sustainable usually. But it might be conceivable that in the modern context, some traditions uh, dangerous or maybe the, the population of people following the tradition is too big now you know shark fin soup or something I don't know you know sharks so many sharks get killed every year and just for their fins too um, apart from a lot of them being killed because people ah kill that shark I don't want it to eat my babies but um, sharks kill almost no humans um, and when they do kill surfers etc it's by accident it seems um, they don't they think you're a seal whereas crocodiles are like ooh juicy human let's go eat that human so slightly different story, but um, so uh, but yes, so um, some traditions potentially should be stopped. Um, but we need to be aware. But I think the thing is, we shouldn't. From my point of view, where I come from, uh, uh, philosophically, I would say we should talk to them about why they're not good. These traditions and um, using force, like the government, you know, changing law or whatever. Uh, that would be a last resort if it was only really, really necessary as self-defense, say, against a species which can't protect itself. But in general, I think um, there's so much room for just communication. And I think when people really understand your point, if you're right, then, you know, if you really have your heart and head aligned and, you you know, you unify around a message with a lot of people, then you can have a conversation and people are going to pay attention and you can negotiate. Hey, stop doing this tradition and we'll help you. We'll build these things for you, you know. And often the people who are going to be more conscious of these problems are people from the more educated, developed societies who've got more time on their hands. Um, uh, and so potentially they might have things to trade, you know. So these are some potentials. But So traditions are going to be there, but potentially if they're really out of control, we can try to talk about altering them. But it's something to be aware of. Like the idea that everyone's going to stop meat, eating meat, I think maybe sometime down the, in the distant future, but... Uh, not likely anytime soon. Also, by the way, with veganism, some people say that um, uh, eating only plants is good for your vibrations. Um, so spiritually, it'll help you on the path to enlightenment um, and awakening. Um, and I don't know about that. I don't know if that's true. Um, often people have said, you know, like, oh, just listen to your body. You know, teachers, spiritual teachers have said, some have said eat plants, you know. Others have said like, well, you know, uh, listen to your body. Eat, you know, eat what give it what it needs, what it wants, you know, rather than what your mind wants, like, you know, ice cream or whatever. Um, 
but uh, yeah, some people say the vibrations of you know there's more light in like fruit and and for example, more light in it. It's like absorbing the the light, whereas animals and maybe vegetables even are a bit more grounded. And so they say you know light is kind of equivalent to like consciousness or cosmic energy or something. So this is kind of raising your vibration or a kind of similar line of reasoning. People saying that you know there's, as we kind of mentioned before. There's more suffering. The vibrations of suffering, these lower vibrations, are in um, the kind of more conscious creatures. If we kill them and eat them, so uh, that you know, eating more like plants and fruits, etc., might be raising your vibration. Um, I don't know. Might be true. Um, if it is true, I guess I'm going to go vegan. But <laughs> um, I don't know. So um, let's see. Uh, survival. Yeah. Okay. So. With diet, if we are hungry enough, we're going to eat whatever, basically. You know, like cannibalism, yikes. I mean, I think I, I, would, not, I would not go that far. I would just uh, not let someone eat me. But, you know, I, would, I, I don't know how I'd do that. That'd be tricky. No one wants to starve to death. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, would, um, but, you know, I think that's a bridge. Like, But, but the point being, you know, there are there are people who have crossed that line and gone, hey, I'm so hungry, I'm just going to do that. So, um, but the uh, point for us is, people, yeah, will eat what they they have to eat, and the vast majority of the world's population are in you know significant state of poverty, and so they're going to eat what they, whatever they can eat. Um, so we should be aware of that, and the idea that we're all going to turn vegan tomorrow is not realistic. Um, and for the reasons I've said before, nor is it necessarily desirable because, you know, it seems more desirable that those who aren't really into eating animals for whatever reason, they can go to more vegetarian or vegan and other people who want to be omnivores can do it. But that we, what we unite around is um, health, well, I guess regenerative agriculture um, and uh, ending, ending the factory farming and industrial agriculture and fishing systems, um, uh, transitioning them. Um, by voting with our dollars and perhaps, you know, through regulations, but I'd prefer through just individual action. Um, and anyway, they're very good at playing their pol political games, these big um, industries. Um, so through voting with our dollars, uh, you know, kind of setting the new thing, like, yep, you can go whichever path you want, pescatarian, vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, carnivore. But um, yeah, let's agree upon um, these regenerative systems which um yeah enhance health um minimize suffering and um and enhance the ecology so but um but survival like if we were in a bad situation we would eat whatever and we need to be aware many people around the world and even in um, developed countries there are people who are you know they're not they're in a tricky situation financially they're gonna eat whatever they can get so i think that's just something to be aware of you know um in the transition um so uh yeah all right oh another thing is um you know so live and let live like um you know we, we can each do our thing and just not feel like we're separate camps but no we're all part of one big team you know um but uh, an, uh another thing we can do is um support local you know so part of decentralizing the food system which is good for just practical matters of you know food security you know if it's all if there was a big power out okay everything we've still got food or if there's a global pandemic or something you know it's not all coming from overseas so we've got like our local um 
basis of production and f- food is a big part of that for other things too it should be we should be thinking about this um but uh also transportation costs and energy use and time use uh and yeah is reduced when uh it's all coming from close to us so that makes sense um i mean if we can grow stuff ourselves that's great you know that's uh, if you can have chickens and having laying eggs and you got you're growing your veggies or you have some fruit trees um or you even have keep some bees you know like that's great that's good for everyone you know because you're taking off the load from the system and um you know in some dire situation you can support other people and anyway you're getting connection with your food so it's good for you psychologically and you're getting the healthiest food because you're growing it yourself and um yeah if you grow it organically then you know where it's coming from you know it's going into it and I think when you grow stuff yourself, that's it. Also, there's something special. Like your, it's like I think literally your consciousness is the magic ingredient, the secret ingredient, love going into uh, these things. And they, they oh, I, I swear it's not. It's you know, it must be the placebo effect. Oh, it's just I swear this tastes like like the best tomato I've ever had in my whole life. Uh, yeah, maybe it's because it's your tomato. You know, maybe there's a bit of you in that. Self cannibalism. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. So, and yeah, so supporting local and in general, yeah, supporting, uh, you know, the your community obviously is good also. But, um, and I think getting to know local farms or like your local butcher, I like to go to small businesses because also there's more control over saying like talking to them and going like, yeah, thank you. Like if I give them money for the good products, they're more likely to react to that and go, oh, okay, these are selling well. Uh-huh. Whereas some big company, maybe less aware or they're just, uh, you take what you get, you know. Um, we're co-owned by some people who produce these things, and so they want to give us these because that saves them money. There's all these other motivations. Um, smaller producers and, you know, sh- um, grocers, that kind of thing, and butchers, it's a good way to, you know, kind of, I-, I guess, assert that um, change we want to see in the food system. Um, so what else, pray tell? Um yeah, okay. So I think there is um, a, a certain queasiness um, some people feel about eating meat and even just animal products like dairy or eggs, etc. Honey, probably not. Everyone's on board probably, but some people just hold themselves back. But, um, and you know, I felt this at times. When I was a kid, I kind of felt like, ugh, eating bones, this chicken off the bone, oh my God. Um, and I don't quite know what it is, but... So this is kind of more just like musings, or but I kind of wonder if it seems in many ways we humans have become detached from nature and we're getting lost in abstractions, and that you know people are all on the internet and don't know how to socialize as much anymore, and in person someone disagrees with them and they feel like they're being attacked because they've only ever been a you know disagreed with online or maybe never agree- disagreed with because they're in an echo chamber and everyone agrees with them on whatever. Um, and if someone doesn't agree, they get censored, you know, and okay. So, um, and so that's one example where in terms of relationships and dealing with conflict and, um, learning from each other, having this, um, debate, it seems like that, that skill is maybe being lost a bit or has been lost. Hopefully it's coming back. Um, and you know, in terms of, uh, you know, people going, all right, um, let's roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and grow some food. Like a lot of people will be like, oh my God, I never do that. Why would you do that? You know, um, but it seems there has been a, with that definitely there's been a movement back towards that, growing your own food, cooking your own food. Uh, that's become very fashionable even, you know. Um, and so 
the, but for a long time there was this move towards you know a- astronaut food and you know um tv dinners and everything being fast and efficient and so we kind of got detached um and people uh, i mean uh yeah in 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 i guess in just in many ways we or um or death is one yeah like you know how often have you seen a dead body in india people see dead bodies all the time uh and um you know uh especially if you're in varanasi where they they've got the burning ghats where they you hear people coming along uh do they sing i'm not sure but they'll be coming along you know like four blokes eight blokes something holding like a a kind of what is it like a stretcher kind of thing with a a body a dead body lying there covered with red yellow gold uh you know orange uh flowers white flowers and and they're just there you know and they're being carried down to the the river the ganges to be burnt and everyone in public and everyone seeing them they're seeing skeletons they're seeing flesh melting off of skulls uh my eyesight's not that good so i didn't quite see the details but uh <laughs> yeah pretty pretty gnarly anyway um and so that's just normal for them you know but i think in more developed societies we kind of uh I'd say in the west um we've kind of cut ourselves off from that a bit and you know um hospital everyone's kind of in a nursing home or a hospital or they're kind of out of view you know we don't really like to think think we're a bit it's the fear of death you know um and so and then you see if if it's at a funeral often the person will have makeup or something on so that they look more alive um and so and so that's one thing where it seems there are many ways where it seems that we are detached or um resisting nature also you look at health and you know the pharmacalization pharmaceuticalization of health and um you know pharmaceuticals can do some wonderful things surgery can do some wonderful things you know amazing stuff that medicine can do but in general you know they're better at acute problems dealing with acute problems someone's got an emergency let's deal with it help them but like chronic problems usually seems like they're not that good at it's more like you know traditional stuff like you know diet and exercise and meditation these kind of things have the best results it seems allegedly your honor so they say so i'm told um and but yet our society is kind of you know the mainstream seems to be kind of detached from these simple traditional realities now um so i i with back to food and queasiness i kind of wonder if there isn't like say and i don't want to insult anyone or offend but like the that is not just say the ethical issue of um eating meat or the health views the feeling that it's not not healthy or ecological stuff but just a general kind of queasiness of like not wanting to be an animal that eats other animals and um maybe it reminding you of your own mortality um and but this but you can really push through that you know <laughs> like if you want to like i uh i was living with my grandma right um for like 6 months and uh uh you know we're always eating like a uh, uh, some sort of meat and then potatoes and then vegetables because vegetable uh, potatoes aren't vegetables in Ireland apparently all right they're like of course there's spuds you know the, 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 but what what vegetables do you want oh, oh, okay um but uh and so you know having chicken on the bone and this kind of stuff and it, i just got used to it you know and i was like oh i just wasn't used to it for some reason before um and you can start to see oh it's just protons electrons neutrons it's just these superstructures of 
cells and molecules and whatever. It's just a bone. It was earth and then it was eaten by some chicken that then had a baby and it turned now it's a bone um, in this living chicken and then that chicken goes on and this was life and then it's killed and you know the meat and we eat the meat and the bones are there and then I'm looking at the bone and it was grass and then goes into the compost heap and then it turns back into grass and meanwhile it was always protons electrons and neutrons and this cycle of life and life eats life eats life you know seems like maybe we're a little um, hesitant to admit our what it is and to admit that we're part of it. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah, just a little amusing. Who knows? Um, now, yes. Um, so, okay. So I think uh, there might uh, also... With animals, eating animals, we might sometimes anthropomorphize them a little bit. Like we're thinking, um, like treating them like they're like people, you know. And maybe they are more like people than we realize, like cows or whatever. Or maybe, you know, we're kind of thinking, oh, this is Henry the cow and Henry, he loves doing this. And maybe it's totally different. Maybe we just don't understand. And like uh, the cow is like, Hey, where did Jeff go? Yeah, well, I guess he's gone. All right. And then maybe that cow never thinks of Jeff ever again. And Jeff has been, you know, killed for meat or whatever. We don't know, you know. Or maybe uh, that cow will remember. Hmm, Jeff hasn't been here in a year. Hmm, we don't really know. You know, it's a bit of a mystery. But I think sometimes, say, you know, with we do that with animals to some extent. Like, um... But then maybe that's a good thing, you know, that we're kind of trying to be as empathetic as possible. But um, but I do think on a basic level we are all we are all one, you know. And just to bring it back, all of the, like, eat what you want, you know. Um, but um, try to um, I I think what we should try to do is try to be the change we want to see in the world. And so follow. Don't be afraid of what um, you think is true. And just remember that if you think you're losing something by, oh no, these ideas are kind of leading me that way. Like, you know, um, the worst scenario is where you, you lie to yourself and now you don't even know what's true. You're a prisoner in your own mind, you know. That's not a good fate, you know. Um, and it's not even, even for selfish reasons, it's not even helping you because, you know, uh, the true you is is truth. It's aligned with truth. Um, and uh, your soul wants to do what's right and what's real, you know? And so, you know, you can um, do what feels right and, you know, try to understand what's right and what's real and just do your best and baby steps. Maybe you're not ready for some changes. That's fine, you know? Just we can be honest about that and say, hey, I, I know I should do this, but I'm not ready for it yet. Okay, that's a bit, you know, heavy on the conscience, but at least I'm being honest and I know where I'm heading and... Um, Maybe I'll get there, you know, and um, I can have the self-respect um, of saying at least I'm telling myself the truth, even if I don't have the self-respect of being able to act upon that truth yet. Um, I think that's better than telling yourself that you're, you know, you're all good and you're the hero of, even though deep down you know it's not true. It's based on a deception, self-deception. So, and with others, I think, yeah, be honest and communicative, but we don't, there's a balance between evangelism and preaching. We don't want to do that, but we, at the same time, we do need to protect the earth and try to take care of the animals and improve our health and the health of our 
brothers and sisters on, on this earth so that we can kind of keep things in balance because things are looking a bit out of balance recently. Um, and as things go forward, it seems like the imbalance is escalating a little bit. So I think it's a very practical thing, like how, how we eat and touch, you know, raises a lot of, touches a lot of nerves, raises a lot of emotions. But um, yeah, I think uh, just do what makes sense to you and try to stretch your understanding of what's going on. That's what I'm trying to do. And um, even from this podcast, I'm thinking I'm probably going to have to be a bit more, I want to be and I will be more strict with um, my, when I'm eating out, making sure that it's the dairy um, and eggs and meat is coming from ethical sources um, because that's something I've been a bit lax with. Um, and uh, But at the end of the day, I think, yeah, we're all, we're all I mean, <laughs> how many times can I say it? But it's uh, life experiencing itself and I think um, we shouldn't take it too seriously at the end of the day, but it's, uh, it is important to do our best um, and uh, to try to be as healthy as we can maximize the ahimsa and the well-being of these earthlings we're sharing earth with and um yeah protect mother nature so let me know what you think uh that was a huge podcast i, I think so what was that i'm not even sure how long that was but um but yeah so that would be i think my head is empty of thoughts about food and diet now so um there you go i hope that was useful if you enjoyed this uh podcast then Go ahead and subscribe or and hit the notification bell if you want to know when there's more. There'll be one every week um, for the, yeah, um, that's it. So thank you and go eat some food. Good food. <laughs>